You're listening to The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema with Big Willie and the Samurai, bringing class to trash since 1977. Lorenzo, we are back. The GGTMC is on the air. I got a cat on my feet. Uh, got a cat on my face. Yeah, I'm laying on the polar bear rug. The polar bear, yeah. whoa. <laughs> oh, man, that's my politically incorrect there. Anyway, that, that would be our show. So, we are back. Uh, this week we are sponsored by the DiabolicDVD.com. Well, I thank the boys over there as always. Head over there, get all your hard-to-find genre needs. They're uh, still... I, I guess you could say they are still the the best of the uh, online. I think. Uh, yeah, they're great, man. To get uh, to get what you really need, and when I say that, just typically stuff that you, you know, the people that listen to this show would like to have in their collection. <laughs> Precisely, they carry a couple of Criterion's, mm-hmm. you know, Kino Lorber's stuff. Uh, yeah, you, know, we'll you name it. We'll be talking about this week, actually. Oh yeah. All right, so this week we're doing a double douche. I haven't done one in a while, so we're doing one. We got uh, the Burt Reynolds uh, double douche going this week. Uh, White Lightning, or as we say down here, White Lightning. White <laughs> Lightning, uh, 1973, and, uh, directed by Joseph Sargent and Gata from, uh, or as we should say properly, Gator, uh, <laughs> from 1976, directed by Burt Reynolds. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He's from France. (laughs) (laughs) Reynolds. Reynolds. Yeah, so that's that's what we're covering. Um, What have we been watching lately? I don't think I have anything else to announce at the top of the show. So what have you been watching lately? Uh, um, We should say we're right on our normal schedule this morning. So we're we're just jumping right in. Yes. We uh, have much of my bank account dwindle with Christmas shopping happening, man. It's uh, oh yeah, you know it's that time of year. Oh god, um, you're not kidding. Yeah, uh, had a pretty good week actually. Pretty good week. I started my week with a film called Street Angels. Ooh yeah, which is an amazing title. That is a great title, and it's an amazing film. It's completely C grade. 
Um, you remember that one from a few months ago I was really hyping up with screenshots, Death Run to Istanbul? Yes. <laughs> it's like that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's got a $5 budget, but I mean, everyone fucking goes for it. It's, re- it's pretty fun. Uh, it's about a, uh, a cop who I think they were prostitutes, maybe. Um, he takes three prostitutes and he says, look, you get one chance here. Work as my street angels. Uh, we're trying to bust up a few you know, crime rings and uh, clean up the streets and you get a pardon. But what's amazing is I've never seen a star in an action film wear sweatpants the whole film. <laughs> uh, yeah. This guy is such a slob. He'll even wear it with a trench coat and they put like, an, like a really pulpy, noiry voiceover of his throughout the whole film. Nice. Like not, not to say there's not dialogue, but, you know, they'll segue with, I never thought that day when we went out to bust so-and-so that, you know, it just... Yeah, uh, yeah, I never thought the elastic on my sweatpants would get so... <laughs> Yeah, if that shit gave up, he'd be impressed. And it's weird. He, he's such a fucking slob. He has a T-shirt that he cuts the sleeves off of. And that's not the slob part because we've all done that. I still yes. wear T-shirts the odd time with sleeves cut off. And I still wear but, sweatpants. Oh, so do I. I love sweatpants. <laughs> fucking love, love them. them. Yeah. yeah no. but I'm I'd, w- I'd wear them every day at every minute if I could. <laughs> oh, yeah. If it was socially acceptable. Yeah. P- sure p- pajama pants or yeah. sweatpants. <laughs> yeah. Let's do it. You know. But uh, this guy cuts like a really plunging neckline into his t-shirt. Yeah, all right. It's like, like, like it's huge, it's like a huge U cut out of his his t-shirts. It's very strange and he loves he thinks he's very funny and you know, it, it's it's really fun because like I said everyone goes for it. His car is disgusting. It's like a LeBaron or something. <laughs> you know, this fucking big Mac boxes and it's just very low rent. There's an underground pit fighting uh finale that takes place in like a um a car garage sweet you know i got i got i've never seen it i gotta see it street angels is fun i know loaf and zom i was saying to loaf man you got to see this so i think he actually picked it he's i need some trash so i think he picked it alongside death run to istanbul so yeah so look this week so yeah looking for silver and gold this week yeah they're gonna have some fun with it uh, and then I watched Saving Santa with the kids. This was on Netflix. Uh, it was decent animation. It was, uh, I mean, it was European or actually I think it might have been Indian. And uh, as is the case with some of these middle tier, lower tier animated films, they'll just get some voice talent and, uh, you know, they'll bring them over. This had some pretty good voice talent. Ashley Tisdale, who I wouldn't call so much a super talent, but she just, I think she's known for singing, if, if memory serves. And But the, the big pull with this was Tim Curry plays um, kind of the, the gray hat in this. Oh, nice. Yeah, and he's all, I mean, he's fantastic. So it, it's okay. I mean, you could do a lot worse, certainly. Uh, then I did the, I fall, I've been having sort of David Ayer weeks. So I did uh, Fury, which you and I talked at length about sabotage, which maybe we'll cover on the show one day. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it has the pedigree to be covered on the show one day. <laughs> it does. It absolutely does. Um, not to say it's an astounding film, but, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> I watched Fury, and Fury is a really good film, actually, and it's a return to form for Ayer. I think the first half of Fury is substantially better than the second half. If I say what film Ayer is going for with the second half of the film... It will completely ruin the ending of that of Fury because yeah. the ending that he goes for is so synonymous with the outcome of the characters mm-hmm. and a decision they make. And I might even be spoiling it for some sharp uh, people by saying that, that I feel it really goes over the top. But the first half's fantastic. 
you know, the performances are all really good. Shia LaBeouf's fine in his role. Um, John Bernthal, that guy we talk about, we like, um, was in that De Niro Stallone film. He's in it, and he's pretty good. Oh, yeah, yeah, Bernthal. Yeah. 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 He's almost unrecognizable. Yeah. Um, he's really good. Brad Pitt's really good in it. Uh, you know, very good film, certainly. It's, uh, I don't know if it'll make my top 30, but, you know, you can do a lot worse. It's fucking, it's grim. Um... Then I wanted to watch a documentary as I chopped some vegetables for a homemade chicken soup this week. So I put on uh, Detropia, which is on Instant. And this was really good. Um, yeah, well, I watched bit. that uh, a couple years ago. I really liked it, man. Yeah, it's I thought it was good. Sad stuff. Mm. Really sad stuff. The filmmaker is a bit amateur at times. Yeah. But um, when you get sort of earnest, uh, very sincere looks at people's lives and, and sort of lamenting what, what's become of the city they love. And it is a shame, man. Like I've said before, some of the documentaries I've watched about urban decay, Detroit was like the Paris of, of America. You know, culturally, it was really fantastic. It was booming with industry. A lot of minorities could, you know, you know we're into the middle class there. And it's, it's sad to see what's become of that city. Because I drive through it uh, when I come to see you guys, uh, Horrorhound, yeah. and it's, I'm not lying. It's fucking it's brutal. Yeah. Yeah. I told brutal. my wife uh, if we ever come up there, which we will. Yeah. Uh, I said we're going to have to drive through there. And uh, she's nervous about driving through. I said, well, at least we're just driving through. I said, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's justified, man. Yeah. I mean, I mean it's a we, shithole. It looks like post apocalypse. Yeah. Everything's boarded up. It's not like we're going to drive right down into the, you know, to the, bat, the worst of, of the worst. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, for sure. But uh, it's. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, she doesn't have to worry about stopping at lights or anything. But no, but no. it is uh, it is a grim, sad story. You know, you get houses with or blocks where only one house is populated now. You know, yeah. but but you know, I like they have a positive spin where you see a lot of artists coming in and you know getting spaces to work in, and hopefully that can can bring the city back. Yeah, the scariest thing about Detroit for me is I worry that America doesn't really see. That uh, that cause and effect, and that it's just going to keep happening. And That's actually the biggest thing I took away too is that no. this isn't a lesson learned for the rest of the country nope. because they failed to to adapt. And it's also that human thing of, you know, it's happening in Detroit, but it's not happening here in Louisville. Yeah. So I don't have to worry about it. That's that's bad for Detroit, but I don't have to worry about it. But in reality, everybody should be worried about it. They should. And when you see basic services were cut there, like. Uh, light street lights being turned off buses and you saw that there's a very poignant moment where a woman says look you know i make minimum wage i get up three hours you know i I, I work two hours before i need to get there because i have pride about what i do and i have a family to feed you can't cut off the bus service yeah things like that it's it's very tragic but uh yeah it was it's a good documentary and it's on instant so um Yep. You know, worth everyone's time. Uh, next up, William's pick for Family Movie Night. He decided, I had all my movies on the shelf now, so he's going to start pulling stuff off randomly. And he saw Empire Strikes Back on there. So Sweet. We watched it. Um, full disclosure, we didn't get all the way through, though, which uh, I think had more to do with the, uh, like the 12 or 15 empty boxes I had upstairs. <laughs> than the movie because you know boxes and kids like they love boxes man oh yeah 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 so he wanted to like make like tie fighters and you know all sorts of stuff so he he dug what he saw and i've only seen this may be a surprise to some people i've only seen the star wars films three times each yeah uh, 
you know, not very much. You know, a lot of people have seen them hundreds of times, which I can't even wrap my head around. I got friends of mine that see them a hundred times a year now. Man. <laughs> they still watch them all the time. I mean, you know, it's one of those type of things, right? I mean, but I can't see watching anything that much. No, I can't either. But even I, my favorite films. I know, I know. Like, you know, favorite films to me, like, again, teach their own. I don't even like to watch my favorite films once a year. I mean, there's some films inevitably you might watch once you like Christmas Story or something. Yeah. But I haven't watched anything in my that would probably be in my top ten in probably a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, the only reason I would is if I got a new Blu-ray of it and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. check it out. But man, some people, crazy. Uh, next up, I watched what might might be my favorite first time watch of the year: uh, Gregory Nava's El Norte. Yeah, yeah. Man, this film is tremendous. Um, it's a shame he went on to do kind of very commercial fare, like he did the Selena biopic and a few other things. But this film is really, really a beautiful, poetic film. Um, yeah, about, that's right, that is him. Yeah. I, I wonder where I heard the name Gregory Nava before. Yeah, he went on to be sort of very standard filmmaker. But this film's so beautiful and so poetic. Um, you know, our brother and sister trying to leave Guatemala uh, and to come to America, the North, El Norte, and um, it's it's it is a really 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 good film, and I, I you know, I, it, well worth everyone's time. I've always meant know. to watch it. I'm going to get around to it. It's a good one, man, and you know, I'd like to talk about it someday on the show because the performances are really good, and it kind of feels like Malik, but without being super ponderous, like more just it's split up into three three pieces, three segments. The first is in Guatemala, seconds in Mexico, and they're going from Guatemala to Mexico, and then the third part is the north. Okay. And um, the stuff in Guatemala, because it, it deals with some of some, kind of, some kind of mystical Guatemalan stuff. Not mystical in a big way, but anyway, it's uh, it's very good. Uh, then yesterday I was at work, and I just, I've been itching to watch Zombie 4 with uh, Jeff Stryker. <laughs> so it's on YouTube. And I put it on, and man, this film is fucking fun. <laughs> yeah. It's really fun. Um, I, yeah, I really enjoyed it, man. I really, really enjoyed it. It's, uh, <laughs> what's his name? I always forget his name, man. Oh, Claudio Fergasso did it. Oh, yeah. And I even went backwards and started watching part three, which Fulci did, which I never realized. Uh, I didn't get to finish it, so I'm not going to talk about it. But, man, I really had fun with Zombie 4. And the, the effects are good. The... Uh, the, the theme song for it is so epic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember the music from it. I ha- I haven't watched that in forever. Like, you know, I, like like a lot of people. Well, again, we talk about people watching films over and over again. A lot of people watch zombie films over and over again. But um, I went through my zombie phase in the uh, early late uh, early late eighties, early nineties. I was watching mm-hmm. a lot, a lot of zombie stuff that may have skipped past me during the VHS era. And I remember watching that. So I haven't seen that since. Well, probably since I was still a teenager, so I probably need to revisit that at some point. You should. It's on YouTube in full, and well, it's got that striker in it. I don't think I'm yeah, <laughs> striker's good in it, man. He, you know, he he was he was a very good looking dude, man. He could have uh, he could have made a career like a legit career doing like European horror films. Oh yeah, or just European genre films. Yeah, he's kind of a baby face look. Next up, I thought of the Sammy. Wanted to watch something with the kids that was festive. So I throw on uh, what I think is one of Sammy's favorites, Emma Daughter's Jug Band Christmas. Oh, yeah, yeah. One of my favorites of the uh, the holiday pieces. Yeah. I'd never seen this. Yeah? I thought you watched never. that a couple years ago. No, no. We never watched it. Oh, okay. 
and we never watched it. So we threw it on and um, <laughs> it's good. It's, uh, you know, I always admire practical kind of puppet work. And yeah, I always get really sad always. when I watch that in the, uh, the, uh, when he, when he decides to put a hole in the wash tub, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I remember the one thing I remember you saying about other than you liked it was that it's, remember you said you get sad. And as I was about to put it on, I was like, Man, I hope this isn't something where like the kid dies or the mother dies and my <laughs> yeah. kids are gonna be crying tonight before bed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, because it's not like two in the afternoon where I can just like yeah. you know, put on something else. Um because we were gonna watch Pee Wee's Christmas special, but I couldn't get it. So Yeah. You know, but uh it was good. The kids liked it. Well, Braden fell asleep because he was sick, but William liked it. I, I gotta say though, man, I feel like when the mother sings, it really grinds things to a halt. Yeah, no, like, that, like that, the, that the, the jug band stuff's a lot more energetic. Yeah, yeah, and of course the River Bottom Nightmare Band. Yeah, it's very strange. It's they, very strange, man. They uh, they get this like metal band in there, but they're, they're kind of fun. But yeah, I, I agree. That song that the mother sings is, uh, yeah, yeah. It just grinds things to a halt, man. But it's good, and yeah, seeing puppet work and stuff is is really cool, man. Really cool. I, I liked it. It was uh, it was good. Um, then the wife and I decided to watch something Saturdays are kind of our mutual pick night. And, uh, we decided to watch the November man. Oh yeah. Did you watch that? Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen this one? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm going to watch yeah. it because, um, Davey Mack liked it so much. So yeah, it's, uh, I'll say this. I don't think it's great by any means uh-huh. uh, to use parlance, uh, from, you know, video files, uh, and a bygone era. It's a solid rental. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, not great, but it's got a very good cast. Um, Brosnan's great. Uh, you know, I'm not a big Brosnan guy. Uh, well, I shouldn't admit, I don't like his Bond stuff, but his yeah. stuff outside of Bond, I think he's, he's very good. He's good in this. Olga Kurylenko, who I love, is in it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize she was in it. Uh, it's got some other good character actors. There's Bill, I think it's Bill Mitrovich, I think his name is. He works with Michael Mann a lot. He's kind of fun as a, like a shadowy CIA head. Um, yeah, you got lots of globe trotting, you know, Russia, France, Serbia. You know, it's it's solid, you know, solid. Like I'd say for me, you know, six and a half, maybe, you know, six and a quarter, six and a half. Okay, nice. You know, but uh, yeah, so that was the week. Oh, okay. All right. I watched quite a bit this week, starting to cram and jam and trying to get some bunch of stuff in as much as possible because uh, it's getting to be the season for me. Oh yeah, I can usually, on average, I do about four films a week outside of the two for the show. So, as always, I figure I better get started nowadays on the cramming very early. So, um, started the week with uh, Thirty for Thirty when the Garden was Eden. Yes, this is uh, about the Knicks. Uh, the last time the Knicks won the championship, uh, the great team from the late sixties, early seventies. So Phil Jackson was on that team. Was Bill, it Willis Reed, Earl Monroe? Yeah, Bill Bradley. Yeah. Um. So. Good stuff. It's interesting to listen to because there's a lot of different personalities on that team. Oh, yeah. So there was one scene, I believe, where I can't remember who it was. One person was uh, on the team. Maybe it was Bradley was protesting one side. And then, of course, you know, Phil Jackson was very much a hippie type. He was protesting the other side. <laughs> so they yeah, were, that's right. They weren't playing basketball and they were on two opposite sides of a political rally. <laughs> so Yeah, because Bradley went on to become like a senator, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and of course, Phil Jackson, you know, of course, he's known now as this very successful and, and uh, well, uber successful, are arguably the, the most successful coach and and uh, basketball uh, manager of maybe all time, I guess. Yeah, him and Red Auerbach certainly come to mind as... Yeah, him, Auerbach, and Riley, I guess, are the three hours. Yeah, and Riley, yeah, yeah, that's right. But, 
it's funny when I always think about that because what he came from, you know, he's very much uh, the late 60s, early 70s, very much the hippy dippy do. Oh, yeah, man. They say in a Lego movie, hippy dippy baloney. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, he's an interesting guy. Uh, this is on instant, we should say. Yes, it is. Almost all those 30 for 30s are on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, including the second season. Um, there's a whole lot of good stuff on there, so I advise people. There's still stuff on there I haven't seen, so I'm going to watch the Randy Moss one, I think, this week, called Rand uh, University, I think. Where, what, Marshall? Uh, no, no, no. It, uh, well, it's about, uh, I think it's, well, it's just about Randy and about his, uh, you know, Randy Moss, is a, I mean, I know I'm not telling you anything. He's a bit of a character when he got to the pros. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, But, you know, outside of football, he's actually done some pretty good things, so. But a lot of people don't know that because he's a done a bit of a he's a bit of a well when he was younger he's a bit of a buffoon. Buh, 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 he sure buffoon. was. So, but hey, we none of us were uh, <laughs> none of us weren't buffoons in our youth. So yes, that's uh, the time for buffoonery. That is a lot of moose in the hair back then. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of that hair gel there, boy, with the hair dye. <laughs> uh, okay, so I watched Sabotage. I had to. Yeah, I didn't cram it for year in, but it's one of those films that because of the divisiveness of it, I thought it should be crammed mm-hmm. um, because when stuff gets that strong a reaction where either people really like it or they really fucking hate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, that 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 rings a bell to tell me that I should probably check this out. Like Donna Summer. Yeah. Yeah. So I checked it out. I don't think this movie's good, but no. I do think. And I told Will this as well. I do think in 20 years we'll be talking about this movie in a different way. And um, outside of a few big, not big chunks, but pretty sizable chunks, if they would have taken a few things out, I think this film could have been better. And I think, and I told Will this too when he was on the phone, I wonder if David Ayer even wrote some of the dialogue because a lot of it feels like, you know, a bunch of dudes sitting around and David Ayer behind the camera going, I don't know, man. Just say something like you would if you were in college. It feels like Ayer turned up to really cartoonish levels. Yeah, yeah. It's like him. He already does some pulpy stuff, but this is like him saying, fuck it. Go full tilt, man. We're going to make, oh, yeah. I, I'm going to make my Sin City. That's <laughs> right. <know>? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, even though it doesn't have that style, it does have a certain style now. There's a couple things I did like about it. It is uber violent. I mean, this movie is nasty, wet, and disgusting. Uh, mm-hmm. To the point to where I winced a few moments. Uh, so it's as violent as any horror film, as as Will it said, is. I think last week or the week before. Uh, I agree with that. It's as violent as any horror film I've seen in the last year. I can say that. And, and I like the setup. I should say, I think that's a, a like if it was on the right hands. Yeah, that could be a really good film. I agree with you. I think you said last week it was a mess, and that that's the best word to put for it. It's yeah. a stylish mess. With uh, some really bad comedy beats, some really ill-advised, uh, some really ill-advised comedy moments that uh, oh man made me groan, and not only groan but made me embarrassed for yes. As as Will told me on the phone, there's a scene uh, involving a uh, the after you know a funeral get together, the aftermath wow. of that is easily maybe the most unbearably embarrassing moment for every actor involved. <laughs> Just yeah, it's so embarrassing. <laughs> it's, it's oh man, it is. Whoa. It's even more embarrassing than uh, Magne- Magnello's uh, white boy cornrows, and those it are is, and man. those are pretty embarrassing. Oh man, that strip club scene is pretty embarrassing too. It is. It totally is. <laughs> I don't even know why they go to a strip club, other than to just put boobs in the movie. <laughs> it's just and what? a fight. <laughs> yeah, just don't go to the strip club. Why? Why? What? I don't know. Anyway. 
whatever. Um, but yeah, worth a watch if you like divisive and uh, crazy stuff. Let's say that. All right, then I jumped into a few, uh, got quite a few uh, docs this week, as usual, but I try to get my docs out of the way early. We should say congratulations to Steve, by the way, that his uh, Jodorowsky's Dune made the shortlist for a possible Oscar nomination for uh, Jodorowsky's Dune. So. And as a producer, yep. he would get a moment to speak, which I think, I mean, how amazing is that? It would be great. It'd be great. <sighs> It'd be a win-win for the whole community and for Steve in, in particular, and, you know, we love that guy, so... We do. He's a great, great person. And it is arguably one of the best documentaries of the year. I mean, it's going to be on my top 30, so... Oh, it'll definitely be in my top 30. I, I Unfortunately, I think for it, it's it's as great as it is and energetic as it is, I feel like that the, the um, Academy will probably pick something that they feel is more like politically important or yeah, like that, socially important. That tends to be the thing versus yeah. just how great of a documentary it yeah. is. But yeah, usually with documentaries, they tend to go more social gravitas as opposed to, you know, celebration of film. So yeah, I can see something like, uh, I know something that's on my list to watch citizen Four, the Edward Snowden, uh, that's the, uh, the NSA, uh, whistleblower documentary that yeah. is getting, getting a lot of buzz, uh, that all, you know, I hope it doesn't, because I want my one John Rusky's Dune to be, I want it to be nominated and I want it to win. But I want it to fucking win. I, I want to see uh, Neck up there shaking the uh, <laughs> yeah. the Oscar and shaking his ass. That's right. All right. I hope he wears a GGTMC shirt. Yeah. Which there is no one none, but he can. We'll get him one for, <laughs> for the Oscars if he gets nominated. No, yeah. anyway. Right under his tux. Yeah. So I watched a few documentaries. All This Mayhem. This is about the uh, Pappas. I think it's Pappas Brothers, oh. the skaters. Was oh, yeah, yeah. Taz Pappas and Ben Pappas. Who kind of came from Australia, from Melbourne, uh, Australia? <laughs> Melbourne is the only thing I can say in a proper Australian accent. <laughs> yeah, because I always think, man, I, why do I always say Melbourne? You know, and they always true. say Melbourne. <laughs> we would like the white trash from Melbourne. <laughs> That's about as good as I can get there. So uh, anyway, um, this is a. Um, this is really good. Um, this is a great example of uh, too much, too young, too fast. Um, and, of course, you know, these guys come from the wrong side of the tracks, and then you throw a bunch of money at them, and they're really, you know, they were really talented skaters. Uh, Taz Pappas was one of the early uh, big air guys. He used to hang out with uh, that guy that was a Danny Way. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So he was one of the early big air guys and one of the first guys to do the, the 900 and, and all those kind of stuff. But, you know, he kind of got overshadowed by Tony Hawk and, other people because of legal trouble, drugs and whatnot, and it's really good. It's heartbreaking at moments. Um, yeah, yeah, I teared up a little bit in a couple spots because it's about brothers and stuff. And if you know anything about the story, oh, yeah. it's you know, so it's good stuff though. I, I recommend it. Uh, I don't know if it'll make my top thirty or not, but it is on the. Uh, I'll say it again: the short list to get in there. It's certainly, uh, very, very, very solid. Um, As the Palaces Burn, I watched. This is a documentary about Lamb of God, the metal band. Um, this documentary is interesting because it started as a documentary about the band. Who they, They're from Richmond, Virginia. They make a living. Uh, they, they hardly ever get any airplay anywhere, yet whenever their albums come out, they're usually top five on the billboards. So, so a really popular band is with the metal community. Uh, and they tour a lot. And I think the documentary was mostly to talk about the workmanlike nature of, you know, this is the modern band. You know, there's only a handful of bands that sell millions of records and tour to millions and millions of dollars. Um, 
these guys, you know, they just make a, a pretty solid living. They don't, you know, they're not, you know, not driving around in Mercedes and uh, mink coats, yeah, and all that stuff. They just make, uh, you know, it's ba- it's basically not blue collar, but they they get by, right? So anyway, this one's kind of about how they were on tour and stuff, and and then something happens during the making of this documentary where a fan got, uh, well, the accusation was a fan got pushed off the stage by the lead singer during a stage diving incident, which happens all the time. But supposedly he hit his head, and then, of course, a few hours later, unfortunately, he passed away. So this happened in the Czech Republic, and then they, they filed charges on the uh, the lead singer for murder. So then it kind of all plays out for that, for manslaughter, I should say, not murder. And uh, it kind of all plays out from there. With it. But it's really, really interesting uh, to see, because I don't think people see this side of metal much. They see a lot of the, <clears throat> just like uh, gangster rap or something like that, you see a lot of the posturing. But what you don't always see is the human beings that are behind all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So this is a great documentary for that to show you that these guys are all, you know, well-to-do guys. They have families they raise. They work their asses off on their music and touring. They leave their families just like a lot of blue-collar people do every day. Yeah. To you know make ends meet, and uh, I think people should definitely check it out. It it'll probably be in my top thirty. Is um, it on instant? It's uh, it was on Hulu Plus. Right, right. So it's out there. Um, but I don't, uh, I kind of came across it by accident. I'd been wanting to see it for some time. It'd been on my list for a long time and I was just kind of going through Hulu and there it was. I was like, oh shit. So, you know, that's literally what Alejandro. I did. <laughs> I was like, Alejandro. oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think I need to put, make, uh, that golden shower, my desktop image there by <laughs> Yeah. Uh, make or break of the year. Possibly. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Boner of the year, that's yeah. for sure. <laughs> John Varsky might be the only director that his name will come up twice on my top 30 maybe this year. Yeah, that's right, man. Yeah. Uh, that's right. So I watched Oculus. You told me to check it out. I watched it. Yeah. Not really for me. I uh, knew. I had a feeling it might not be. Yeah, and, and you know, it's funny because I watched another thing. I'll go ahead and say it now, The Taking of Deborah Logan. A lot of people buzzing about. Yeah, it's a found footage thing too. But CDR kind of made fun of it a little bit by saying, you know, Sammy's tough on those supernatural horror. You are, which, man. Which, You're hard to please. I am very hard to please in the supernatural horror bent because for me, because you Doctor Strange. Yeah, I am Doctor Strange. That's part of the problem. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I just it, part of the problem is you know the gray hair at the temples, the uh, the amulet. Yeah, the amulet. Off collar. I, I got to tell you, the amulet and the cape really bring a lot of attention to family gatherings. But oh, you know, lost, man. <laughs> there's no incognito. What about if you get gravy on the that amulet? <laughs> I just kind of you know move my hands, you know, and it kind of sucks it off, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Put it on someone else's shirt. That's right. Yeah, that, that's a different type of gravy. But anyway, <laughs> not quite as chunky, I hope. Oh, I hope not, man. Ooh. Hope not as dark either. Ooh. Ooh. Anyway, yeah, I watch Oculus. I like some of the filmmaking and stuff, but for me, yeah. the thing that this thing did not ooze the atmosphere I wanted. I, I, yeah. I like the idea. Me and Miles had some fun on Facebook joking about it. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, it just, I don't know, it just didn't work for me. Uh, I did like the acting in the film. I should say that. And I thought the emotional stuff was pretty good, like the, the abuse angle. Yeah. And I thought a lot worked well. I thought the, all four leads were good in yeah. the film. I have a hard time sometimes disassociating Rory Cochran from his from, days to confuse character. <laughs> as do I. I. As do I. He's one of those actors who's made this one character that for some reason every time I see that fucking guy, 
you know, I immediately think of Dazed and Confused. Yep, me too. But I, I think he does a pretty good job in the film, though. Oh, because he's a good actor. He dials it in. Yeah. He, he doesn't take it over the top. None of the characters do. And man, it, Katie Sackhoff looks hot in that film. Yeah, she does. Uh, so the, does the other redhead, too. Yeah, yeah Karen Gillian. And the, man. This does have one of the most... Uh, uh, nausea-inducing scenes for me this year. And fingernail. Oh fuck me! Yeah. The sound. Yeah. That state. That staple remover, thereby. Oh man. <laughs> it, it, the thing I like about the and I obviously liked it a lot more than you did. I think the craft of like I, I admire that as a filmmaker making a horror film. He's he cares about performances, mm-hmm. and whether the technical stuff worked for you, I think the craft of filmmaking there was an attention to detail with that stuff yeah i enjoyed the performances but uh, for me everything else just kind of fell flat so again you know and then taking deborah deborah logan the same thing uh there are moments in it that were fine but uh i the that was a found footage thing which is always a problem for me mm-hmm. um but you know i'm willing to look past it i like the last exorcism a while back and a few other things oh yeah i'm not totally against found footage i do think it can be done well but um this one, you know, again, it's a supernatural angle and just didn't really work for me. How was the lead, the female lead in it? Because that's the big thing I've heard from a lot of our friends is that she puts in just a dynamo performance. The actual Deborah Logan? Yeah, she's I guess a, the older woman, yeah. Yeah, she, 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 she is really good. She really throws herself out there. Would you see it's one of the performances of the year? Or is that overstating it? Uh, not for me. I'm not a big fan of these of hysterics, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't always work for me. Can't get down with those. <laughs> can't get down with those hysterics. My cape and my amulet getting away. So <laughs> yeah, dude, you don't need a torn cape, man. Yeah, it's cramping your style. Those hysterics are getting in the way of my brown gravy, there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, just not for me. Again, you know, I understand. There's a certain genre of horror that doesn't that that would if you had to go through the genres of horror. And say what you love the most. Supernatural horror is not my thing. We've we've talked about this over the, bottom, the years. Right? Yeah, maybe not the bottom, but it's certainly near the bottom for me because Just I above evil child. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That that's that's very that's scraping the bottom of the barrel mostly for me. I just I I can't disassociate myself from it. And I know everybody has genres like this in their life, um, with stories and stuff. I mean, there's a reason why. Like, if you read novels, you tend to stay away from certain types. I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to read a Harlequin romance because that's not my thing. Um, you live it. <laughs> I live it. That's right. <laughs> Again, it all comes back to that amulet and cape. That's right. I at least live the co- covers, you know. But that's yeah. No, nothing else but just an amulet and a cape. <laughs> <laughs> so you you replaced cufflink and bow tie with amulet and cape. <laughs> that's right. Fuck them Chippendales. I got the strange going. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just, that doesn't really work for me personally. But you know, again, I understand when people like it. I can see what people like in Oculus. I can see what you liked in it. When I was watching, as a matter of fact, I was watching. I was thinking, oh, I see why Will like this. I see, you know, I, because I know you so well now yeah. that I'm like, oh, okay, I see, I see what he's going for here. I see what this is. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, so they're going, yeah, yeah. This is this is where Will and I differ when it comes and to the horror films. And that's what I'd said to you. I was worried, not worried, but I, I, if I had to bet money, I would have bet that you definitely didn't like it as much as me. But you, you might have appreciated the craft and sort of the, yeah, yeah. Uh, sort of the performances. Let me ask you, what are your favorite genres or subgenres? Not to jump off too much, horror. What works best for you, subgenre or genre? Typically, the horror stuff that works best for me is really, you know. Slasher? No, no, because slasher can get ridiculous and even supernatural at times. But yeah. for me, mostly it's just 
I guess people being awful to each other. Yeah. Uh, like I can't maniac really, or yeah. Maniac's a good example. Um, just nastiness, I guess is the kind of the horror films. I like, I, I'm it really, whenever you, whenever you go into the realm of spirits and ghosts in any kind of yep. way. Now, one of my favorite horror films of all time is the shining. And I realized that that is a supernatural horror bent, but oh, yeah. that is because it's made by a master filmmaker. Uh, yeah the master yeah and 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 that works for me but i can't explain it but i wouldn't say slasher slasher is kind of my go-to for just fun for food yeah yeah that's my you know those are my cheeseburgers slashers are my cheeseburgers i realize again slashers aren't for everybody but they're what i grew up with and they're what i like and um so that's kind of what i that's kind of my go-to if i want to watch something just kind of kill some time and have some fun with horror film but I don't know. You know, I think about that sometimes. What is my favorite? I, you know, I do like monster films a lot. I like, you know, creatures. So Yes. Yeah, you do. Which, so, yeah, that's right. I don't know. I don't know. It's 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 difficult. But as I get older, you know, ghost and supernatural stuff, it gets more and more difficult for me. In spots. That's not to say I haven't liked some. Like I said, we, we have talked. I did like Insidious and I did like... Uh, a few other things. And then, again, it comes to the craft of filmmaking as well. I do think there's positives in Oculus. It just doesn't mm-hmm. uh, work for me as a whole. So, right. Same way with Deborah Logan, which I know you're going to try to cram. So I'll be interested to see, cram, yeah. which I'll be interested to see where you fall on that one as well. Yeah. I have a feeling, obviously, you'll like it more than me, but I'm curious as to where you'll fall on it. It's going to crack, break through. <clears throat> yeah, because the problem with Deborah Logan is there's some found footage stuff in that where it's like, come on now, we've this is a genre we've been around for a while now. Don't drop the camera and and I can't tell what's going on for you know twenty seconds. Mm-hmm. You know I, that that adage needs to go. That that trope it really drives me nuts. So, you know, one of the few sort of evil children film that I think we can both agree on is is a masterpiece in its genre. Is and one we've covered on the show is Who Can Kill a Child. Yeah, there's good evil children films. I like Children of the Corn. I like uh, really the evil children films. Person. I like. Yeah, the evil children films I like are typically... Uh, see, those films are all kind of based in a reality. Yeah, they are. Yeah. And I, I guess if you come down to it, that's really what I like the most, is I like stuff that's kind of more of a reality. Like, uh, stuff that scares me is people who become, you know, zealots. Zeal- zealotry scares me. Oh, yeah. Uh, and why, and Children of the Corn, uh, Orphan, there's some zealotry there, if you think about it. And Yeah, uh, absolutely. That kind of stuff scares me more because, you know, people, you know, the most scary thing for me is that people lose their minds and do very questionable things to each other. So yeah. um, that's probably more. But, yeah, <clears throat> now if you start getting into the realm of uh, uh, the evil child as a ghost, yeah, you, I'm, I'm tuning out. It just yeah. doesn't work for me. So those rabbit ears are just going the other way, looking for another channel thereby. Maybe yeah, something with Jeff Stryker and an amulet and a cape. Yeah, All <laughs> now right. we're talking about <laughs> All right, so a couple more docs. I watched The Internet's Own Boy, The Story of Aaron Schwartz. Uh, for those who don't know, Aaron Schwartz, a uh, young man who helped create Reddit. Uh, maybe he was only 24 or 26 when he committed suicide. Um, he was very big on information being available to everybody uh, and equality, um, which in today's modern copyright society is uh, not a very popular stance. Um, really, his big thing was like... Uh, 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 journals or like uh, um, educational materials where corporations will buy up educational papers and then charge you to download them uh, for through their websites where in the past you could go to the library and uh, get that stuff for free. You can still go to the library and get that stuff for free, but 
a lot of corporations have bought up a lot of these documents and stuff. And, you know, for convenience, you download them at home. It's just that'll be 40 bucks, you know, something like that. Uh, pissed him off. You know, he kind of got involved in some stuff he shouldn't have got involved in. And, and uh, But it is a fascinating story of a little boy who grew up to be this very interesting kind of crusader for the modern tech world and uh, really, really, uh, really got to me in spots. So uh, very, very good. I recommend everybody see it. It's got a really long title. Internet's own boy, the story of Aaron Schwartz, but uh, very much worth a recommend to watch. I know uh, the Red Waffle, Paul, he watched it and uh, he quite liked it. So yeah, I'm gonna definitely cram it. I I have it actually. So. Yeah, yeah, yes, you definitely should. It's uh, interesting, and again, it's one of those things where I get older, and in this movie, they show him as an adult, and then they show him as this little kid just growing up in his house with his other brothers, and mm-hmm. just heart wrenching stuff, you know. Oh, man. How does the little boy turn into this person? Not that it's a good or a bad. I'm not going to side with what's good or bad. I do believe in a lot of what Aaron Schwartz did. Uh, mm-hmm. It is a lot of my own personal beliefs that information should be shared and that it should be shared across all um, classes. And that yeah. uh, by by bogarting information, <clears throat> we're, we're not doing anything but hurting ourselves as a race, as a human, as a human beings. Uh, it just keeps the poor poor and the rich rich. That's all it does, and I'm yeah. I'm, I'm totally against that. So, oh, absolutely. That should uh, that should tell you where I stand. Anyway, watch the uh, Mona Lisa's missing. This was just kind of a fun watch. This wasn't a cram. This was just kind of, you know, I knew a little bit about the story of the guy, the uh, the Italian man who stole the Mona Lisa back in the day. Just kind of wanted to watch it, and it's kind of a silly documentary, kind of a light breezy watch. But you know, that that painting now, from what I understand, that painting is possibly worth seven hundred and sixty million dollars now. That's insane. Yeah, so there's a reason why it's behind like tons of glass and everything. <laughs> Motion detectors. Yeah, and you can't get anywhere. You can't get anywhere near to it anymore, like you used to back in the day. Back in the day, they just had it hung up on the wall with yeah. uh, a bunch of other pieces, and uh, you could just walk right past it and look right at it. Nowadays, yeah. boy, that thing's behind you know a moat of sharks. And- it's got a Stephen Strange spell on it, there, buddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See the brown gravy on the corners. That's wicked. <laughs> <laughs> And last and certainly not least, because I think this, I'd heard things about this and I'd put it off because I just, I don't know why, but I watched Grand Piano finally. Oh, yes, yes. And I got to say, man, Grand Piano, I really liked Grand Piano. This is total De Palma. And it's yeah, better. I be- saw you'd said that. Yeah, it's better De Palma than De Palma's done in the last 10 years. Well, probably the last 30 years, maybe. I think you'll dig this. This has got a lot of style. A lot of style. This is kind of right up your alley when it comes to that. Uh, I know the cast is kind of weird. Elijah Wood and John Cusack. John Cusack's barely in the movie, but he's mostly with the voice and stuff. Alex this, Winter? Yeah, Alex Winter's in it. It's, it's weird he is in it. <laughs> but but he, he, he's good in the film. Everybody's nice. good in the movie. And there are a few questionable things, but they're the kind of questionable things that you always question in a De Palma film. Like, well, why would you do that? And then you think to yourself, oh, that's so De Palma can do this. <laughs> Yes. The same thing. There's even a split screen moment in this that's fucking wonderful. Oh, man. Yeah, so, I'm excited to watch this for Cram. Yeah, it, it's only about 78 minutes long. If you take the credits out, it's only about 78 minutes long. Very well done. Uh, I don't know if it'll be on my top 30 or not. I'm thinking it will be, though, because it's one of those movies where I watched and I just smiled the whole time because it was riffing on De Palma so hard, even to the point to where it's using those, like, you know, those really strong reds and yeah. those, you know, that, that Dario Argento De Palma look. And uh, I think you'll like it. I think. Well, I know you'll like it, but I wonder if you'll love it. So, it's got it's got some good looking women in it too. This one, Tamson Egerton and Carrie yeah. Fichet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. look very cute. And yeah. I love the the plot for it. It says 
A concert pianist who has stage fright finds a threatening note written on his sheet music just before moments before a performance. Yeah, yeah that's so kind of De Palma, Giallo. Yeah. Oh man, it is so <clears throat> much. The, the writing is even in red ink. Oh man, uh, it's so much, and it's great because every time. Well, I don't want to say too much, but every time he turns that music, it you know, it's like it. it it's ridiculous. Like the person knows that what exactly what he's going to do, yeah, so he's yeah. set up for all these things, but. At the same time, if you've ever seen a De Palma or an Argento film or Giallo or any of those type of thrillers or horror films, uh, it's exactly that type of material. So Nice. Good stuff. Yeah, you should definitely check it out, though. I, I, I don't know why. I'd waited on it, and I don't know why I had, because I saw quite a few of our listeners and people I really trust had talked about it um, and said that we should check it out. And I just, I don't know. I just put it off. But finally, I said, you know what? I'm going to watch this thing. It's worth a cram, evidently, you know, because... I go through my letterbox and a lot of people are giving it, you know, I think the lowest rating out of all my friends on letterbox is like three and a half. That's very, very respectable. Yeah, out of five. So most everybody's though is four out of five every month. And I, I can tell you I gave it a four and a half out of five. So there you go. Wow. Good stuff. All right. That's everything. We're gonna take a break. Ooh, I started watching something that uh could potentially be one of my favorite films of the year, but I'll tell you that off the air. Nice. Uh, we'll be back with, uh, well, this is easy. It's double deuce, so we're going to do them in chronological order. We're going to do some white lightning. So we'll be back right after this. Hey, all you podcast listeners, here's an update. See here. We know some of that bad brown acid has been going around, but we've got an alternative. See here. Have these headphones here. Throw them on. See here. Movies for your mind. See here. See here podcast. We discuss music-related films once a month. Find us on iTunes or at see here. That's s e e h e a r. dot podbean. dot com. Just relax, listen, and float downstream. See here. Pass it around. Mighty, mighty pleasing. Pack his corn squeeze. What lightning? Well, the team and team and revenue is too. Searching for a place where it made its brew. They were looking, trying to look him, but my pappy kept on looking. What lightning? back yeah a little george jones there for you you like that a white lightning you turned down still <laughs> oh yeah i'm talking to myself like an <laughs> asshole the streak is alive and well yeah the uh yeah that asshole streak <laughs> <laughs> that's always alive and well. <laughs> that's why you wear dark underwear here bye <laughs> yeah. oh man but uh yeah i had to play that song i hadn't ever played it on the show and it's one of my favorites 
That's great, man. It's like it's got like a like a Jerry Lee Lewis kind of feel too. Yeah, like nice. that era of rock and roll and country rockabilly. Yeah, it's great stuff, man. Like uh, and the, the, you didn't hear it in that last verse there, but he says he asks his old pappy what he called his brew, and he says something about Mountain Dew, and I always laugh at that because you know in the country where everybody drinks Mountain Dew, it's soda. Yeah. So, whew. anyway, uh, yeah, some white lightning. <laughs> There we go. <laughs> All right, so our first film is White Lightning. Uh, I'll say it properly. Directed by one Joseph Sargent. Was supposed to be directed by Steven Spielberg, which is always bizarre to think oh, about. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, this was actually supposed to be his uh, his studio debut. And he actually did, uh, I think, uh, a couple months of work on it and ended up bowing out. So that would have been a different movie. Thank goodness he didn't. Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, for this one, I think so. Yeah, even though yeah. you know, I think he did Sugarland Express, which you know we liked quite a bit. Yeah, uh, I don't know if it would have had the feel this one has, but um, I'll give a plot synopsis. I'll let you. You want to lead on this one? Sure, that's cool. All right. Uh, next con teams up with federal agents to help them with breaking up moonshine ring. All right, so let's get into it. Some Bert, some uh, classic redneck romance. Yes, and I, I got to say, I really want to give it up to, uh, we've mentioned it, I think, on the show, and I think Kelly mentioned it in the group, we really got to give it up to Kino Lorber. Yeah. yeah they put on some really great stuff, and yeah. really diverse stuff, stuff that appeals to you know, our audience, sort of serious stuff, and it's everything from Dudikoff, uh, um, what's it, uh, Most Deadly Game, or what, what is it? We're man's hunting man. Yeah, I don't remember the title off the top of my head. Avenging Force of the film, but I can't remember the original. Like uh, most dangerous uh, game. Most dangerous game. There you go. Sort of they're they're, they're putting out the Dudikoff riff on that to Altman joints, like all sorts of stuff, man. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, two months in a row we've done a Kino Lober, right? We did across 110th Street last month, so. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And I think the other one was the other one we did that. Uh, anyway, you know what? I'll uh, <laughs> I'm gonna fall down that hole. So yeah, diabolic. Um, Ooh, I was trying to save that cough. I don't know what, for a rainy day maybe? But um, yeah, so this film. Uh, I had seen this one less than I had seen Gator. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. Because I feel like this one was harder to, to find and get your hands on for some reason, even though it's like the original. But yeah, I don't no, know. I, I think, you know, this one... I can say this, uh, a lot of my movie watching growing up was either rentals or cable channels or, you know, regular TV. And uh, which, I mean, that's none, none of those things are surprising. Those are most probably most people in my generation and your generation's way of watching yeah. films. I would see Gator on TV quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gator was a bigger box office hit. And by the time Gator came out, Burt Reynolds was a bigger name. Oh, yeah. Um, White Lightning, on the other hand, uh, didn't see it as much. Uh, growing up, but I always remember that I, every time I would see it, I remember thinking, you know, even at a young age, I remember thinking there's a definite difference between Bert Sands mustache uh, slash Bert with mustache, like time. maybe even in box office take. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that's true. Bert was much more serious. I feel like without the mustache. Yeah, and he's got a great look. I mean, he kind of he's he, a fucking handsome guy. Yeah, man. when he when he came into the scene. Uh, he definitely had a very Marlon Brando esque look. As a matter of fact, if yeah, you look if you look at pic- yeah, if you look at pictures of him when he was younger and Marlon Brando when he was younger, they definitely have uh, some similarities in their facial structure and their kind of brooding looks and stuff. Now totally different actors. But yes. But uh yeah, I mean, 
it's it's interesting, uh, Bert. And of course, I know some people are bigger fans of Bert than others, and I'm not the I, I've never been the biggest fan of his acting, but I am a huge fan of the Bert. The the yes. fact that he is one of those few actors who can totally dominate a movie just by being in it. He's like an Elvis. Yeah. In some ways. Yeah. Yeah. No, or even like a Charlie Bronson. I mean, he's a lot yeah. like that. So. Yeah, he's he's a, an entity on unto himself. Uh, we should say Bert's going through some really hard times, and it's very sad to see. Oh yeah, having to sell off his shit. Like, have you, know, you watched? Did you watch the interviews on this? No. Oh man, the interviews on this disc. If you watch them, Burt Reynolds looks like he's about ninety nine years old. How he he's probably what about seventy five? Yeah, but he looks fucking awful in these interviews. I mean, he looks decrepit and poor. I mean, I don't know if it's because man, I know sad. what he's going through right now, but man, I didn't know he looked this bad. It's really too bad, man. Really too bad. Yep. Um, the interesting thing about this film is, and I was saying this to someone I was talking about the films, uh, is how, and you would be the, the one to ask, I feel like this was a time when Southern culture and trucker culture and country culture was really coming to the forefront. Yeah. And I love seeing it on screen. Yeah. Uh, I feel like it, it feels relatively, I mean, certainly, you know, for the purpose of the movie, turned up a little bit, but it feels relatively authentic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like the filmmaker they got to do it, Joseph Sargent's a guy that no one really talks about. He's a little bit anonymous, but it's fascinating that an Italian from New Jersey, uh, Giuseppe Sargente, could do something that feels this authentic. Now, we talked off the air about Bert maybe taking the reins a little bit behind the scenes. and yeah. But it's still fascinating to me. And this is, this is a director that made what I think is one of the, easily one of the best heist films or crime films of the 70s, taking of Pelham 1, 2, 3. Mm-hmm. Yep. Jaws, Jaws the Revenge. <laughs> which Fabian um, will be excited about. Which, yeah, absolutely. I did a lot of TV work. Um, what else did he do, man? He, yeah, uh, he's, he's, still, he's still alive, by the way. Yeah, still alive, man. 1925, born in 1925, still kicking. Yeah, so he made a few other things in there too. Colossus, the Forbin Project. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty you popular know. cult film, yeah. Yeah, it is. It totally is. I mean, he's got a really varied filmography. Um, but it, that's one of the things that uh, really stands out for me. Is Yeah, is, you're you're right when you say anonymous. Like, his, his style isn't... There's no Joseph Sargent style. No. But there is very competent filmmaking. Yeah, you know, you look at the quality. There's some really diverse films there. Um, Jay Lee Thompson-like. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I, he might even might even be a better director than J. Lee Thompson. Yeah. Pelham's a really good film. I don't know if yeah. Thompson could make Pelham. Yeah, yeah, no. You're, you're right. You're right. I don't know if he could either. But then again, he wasn't as prolific either. Certainly, and wasn't as steady as as uh, Thompson. But uh, you know, star it someone like that. Um, but uh, yeah, the cast for this is great. You know, Bert teaming up with Ned. Now, Deliverance was what's was this right before this seventy one maybe or seventy one or seventy two? I think yeah. Yeah. So he's got Ned. Ned's in a different role in this one. Certainly. Oh yeah, is he certainly is. <laughs> and Ned's great. Ned plays the heavy in the film. Now, the they great s- thing about the Blu Ray is we can see where he had to shave his head to look older than he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He uh, he set him. They set up uh, uh, Sheriff Connors very well in this film. Well, they do because the opening scene for this film is fucking amazing. Yeah, <laughs> it really sets the tone. It, you know, it's got the music, and we see two boats in the swamp. One boat has dudes tied up and gagged. Yeah. 
and another boat has a sheriff in it. And you think, oh, what did, they, what did these guys do? And I don't want to spoil the scene, but it's it's a really great opening, and it really sets the table for what Sheriff uh, Connors is all about, uh-huh. <laughs> um, which is really great. It's got Bo Hopkins, you know, a great uh, character actor, one of the great character actors. And it's funny because my mom wa- walked in on me watching this, and which is better than her walking in on me watching other things, certainly. Um, and she goes, oh, she goes, I love Jerry Reed. <laughs> yeah. And I go, no, no, it's not Jerry Reed. Yeah. And she goes, oh, yeah. And she goes, I always mix them up, which is funny because then we wa- she watched, because uh, she lo- my mom loves Bert, man. <laughs> yeah. And she, uh, so then she watched Gator with me. I said, mom, watch Gator with me. And uh, so she, I said, oh, she goes, oh, yeah, that's Jerry Reed, which <laughs> I have to say as an aside now, in case I forget, and this is going to sound so bizarre, but Jerry Reed reminds me of Modoc. In that his features on his face are really little compared to his head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, he always had really big hair, too. Yeah, you're yeah, right. Man, so. It reminds me of Modoc. <laughs> I don't know. I can see getting Bo Hopkins and Jerry Reed confused, though, because they do have some similarities. And, uh, they're, they're very, the shape of their face, their chins, their, their cheekbones. Their nose. And they're very, they're very southern gentlemen. They're very, they're very much, very much I so. mean, that comes through on the screen big time with those guys. Yeah, they are. You know, Matt Clark, who I don't know from a lot of stuff. He's great in the film. R.G. Armstrong, of course. Uh, Matt Clark, he'll come up on the show. You, you'll know him more as we go along, but he still come. He's still working, usually playing oh, the Cowboys. Yeah, he did A million that. ways to die in the <laughs> yeah. West. Yeah. But he, uh, he's a good character actor. He's been he in a is. ton of stuff. Um, he's really good in this, too, as a uh, dude. He's really good in this. Absolutely. Absolutely he is. But... Um, yeah, I love the opening. Yeah, uh, it's really great. It's it's just a hor- horrific opening. Like oh, if you think about that happening. Um, so then we cut to Bert, and this is what's interesting is seeing. You know, we're starting to see the antihero fifties and sixties, but seventies is when antihero kind of got into full swing. So we get Bert working, and he's working in the, um, the the mechanic shop in prison, and of course Bert's working shirtless. Now. <laughs> yeah. Naturally, <laughs> I have to say we've covered a lot of sweaty films on this show. Oh, I know this might be the sweatiest. Yeah, I mean this 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 might top even spaghetti westerns. It's really because, as you know, you're in the South, man. The fucking humidity. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, the humidity's bad. I think they shot this movie in Arkansas. I think so. And uh, it gets fucking hot in Arkansas. So, uh, and it really comes through in the movie. Everybody's sweaty. The shirts Everyone. are always wet. There's no point in wearing a shirt when it's that hot. No. I mean, even me, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm a little heavy and chunky nowadays. Still in the summertime, I'll go without a shirt around the house because it's, it's just, uh, my wife can't stand it, but you know, it's fucking, <laughs> you know, she can't stand it because that amulet there, buddy. That amulet. That never comes off. that thing, man. <laughs> never comes off. Yeah. <laughs> But no, she uh, she'll joke with me and stuff, and I'll say, "Hey, we're in the south. This is you know, it's so fucking thick with humidity down here, oh, and it's just uh, you just you." It, I'll give you an example of the south. Here's the south. If you wear glasses like I do, I'll go outside in the south and, and uh, outside for maybe I don't know forty seconds to get the mail. By the time I come back in and the air conditioning hits my glasses, they're completely fogged up, and I'm already drenched in sweat. That's the south. Oh, man. Oh, I know. I can tell you one time for a road trip, me and two buddies drove to Myrtle Beach from here in the summer. 
Mm. And every state we got went further south, man, the fucking hotter it got. <laughs> and this was really before cell phones were big. This was in like the day of pagers and beepers. I'm nice. aging myself. Nice. And uh, I got out. We, we got into Myrtle Beach. I got out and went to a phone booth. I'm telling you, man, I'm not lying. Within like 15 seconds, man, I was soaked. I know. And, and the fucking glass doors are shutting on this thing, man. And I'm like, I'm here. I got to go. I'm so hot. I'm melting. I got to go. I love you. I'm safe. Bye. Like, I was just fucking drenched, man. I know. I know. Fucking hot, man. It's, jeez. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's very humid, very sweaty film, which is good because I think it evokes, it gives it a certain mood. Sure does. Feel. Sure does. Yeah. It, it, the tone and atmosphere of the movie atmosphere. is perfect. It is. Everyone's under pressure to to get certain things. And the setup for this is very much a movie setup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, very much. I mean, you know, uh, a guy's busting out of jail and they say, look, you know, you, you, we're federal agents. You help us uh, get something on this, um, the sheriff, and, and off you go. So it's, uh, yeah. Uh, where am I going here? Oh, Tar- interestingly, Tarantino used, there's a music in this that Tarantino used when he gets out of jail. Yeah, he's he a big out the guard. Yeah, he's a big fan of White Lightning. Yeah, in fact, it's playing at the New Bev this month. It's it played on Friday. No, nice. I that doesn't surprise me. I know he. I know he has a print of it. I remember reading a long time ago when he used to do that Austin thing, that QT yeah. Fest he used to do in Austin. Yeah. I think this is one of the first films they ever showed there. Yeah, it's it totally feels like that. Uh, I like the soundtrack and the score for this film. Yeah. I think they use a lot of instruments that are used in the South without going into sort of parody, like. They use juice harps and banjos and harmonicas and yeah. just enough of it. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, which is good. I have to say, it. this film features the most casual prison break in the history of cinema. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. He just walks out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he starts running like a motherfucker. Oh, yeah. No, it's true. <laughs> um, I got to say, Sheriff J.C. Connors run Bogan County. Like Master Blaster Run Barter Town? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He even says that. He goes, I run Bogan County, I think, at one point. I love uh, Ned Beatty's performance because it's he's it's, good. it's very subtle and intimidating. And here he it's, is. He's kind of the small, kind of round guy. Oh, yeah, but he's very menacing. He plays at large. without Subtle, but you get the sense of this big, heavy dude. And, you know, one of the things I love about Southern films at the time is how dangerous they can feel. Yeah. Like yeah. when we did Macon County Line. Yeah. You know, yeah. films that they can never have, have a sense of danger uh-huh. because there's a lot of country and a lot of space where a lot of shit can get done. What I'll say about Ned Beatty is what I, I've, I've argued this with all my friends over the years. Ned Beatty's from Louisville, Kentucky. He that is the purest Louisville, Kentucky accent that I know of. That that is what most people of his generation and most people that I know talk like. Yeah. Uh, to the point, and this movie is weird to me because. There's moments in it where the stuff that happens happens every day. There's a moment, from still to me to this day, there's a moment in this film where somebody walks past uh, Sheriff Connors and says, I know you're coming over for dinner tomorrow night, right? And then he says, oh, yeah, fried chicken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We still down here say that. We don't say, oh, yeah, sure, I'll be over. Well, we know what's on the menu, and we'll say, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. We go, we brisket, brisket, oh, yeah, brisket. I'm coming, I'm coming over. I'll be over nice. there. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way uh, it's, it's still that way it's still that way as a matter of fact i can tell you two weeks ago we were grilling out some food and some people were coming over 
And my wife uh, called him on the speakerphone, and I heard her talking to her friend on the speakerphone. And she says, you guys are coming over, right? And, and they, she said, oh, yeah, hamburgers, bratwurst? Oh, yeah, we'll be there. <laughs> it's not even a, you know, it's, it's like the first thing that comes out of her mouth. So Yeah, the announcing of the, uh, <laughs> the, the menu. Ch- yeah, yeah, the menu. The chow is as <laughs> important as the, the social gathering. Yeah, for sure, man. That's cool. Um, I love to – Bert had a great head of hair back then. Because it's evident even three years later with Gator that it was start, he had to sort of fashion it a certain way. Yeah, it's always insane to me that, that how thick his hair was at one point and how thin it got quickly. Really quickly. And it's a shame for him. I mean, being a heartthrob, you yeah, know, yeah. really too bad, man. It's like a, the one weakness. Because um, he looks fucking great in this film. Yeah. Really great. Uh, I love the line when he gets out and they give him his car and they say, keep that thing between the ditches. <laughs> Again... I know you're going to think this is crazy, but I hear that on the regular. Seriously, I got a crazy. I got a friend who <laughs> I got a friend who owns a Shelby Cobra, oh, nice. an 800 horsepower Mustang. And when I went to go see it, uh, his dad was there, and uh, the first thing his dad says is, "Oh man, oh boy, that's a nice car, but I hope he keeps it between the ditches." It's amazing. I remember laughing because that's something that my grandfather would say, and and my dad would say, and and we hear it all the time. That's a good line. I like that. Yep. I really like that. Um, I'd be curious if Zom and Loaf ever heard that. Because, you know, they're, Zom's on, like, the East Coast, South kind of thing, West Virginia, and then Loaf's down South uh, North Carolina way, North Kakalaki. And I wonder if um, they've ever heard they keep that thing between the ditches thing. Yeah, I wonder if they have. I love – see, the problem now, whenever I see Jerry Reed in films, even though he's not in this one, I always think of Zom doing Jerry Reed. Yeah, Zom? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. That's right. Because uh, <laughs> um, they did highballing. Um, yeah, I just you know another thing too that that's really tied in with the South and you know it's it's in this film and it, it just permeates everything in the film is car culture, backyard mechanic culture, and yeah. that's something that sadly not to sound like an old man again, but it's kind of gone by the wayside. Yeah, which, which we talked about with like Tulane Blacktop and the other films we've done with where cars have been the focal point. Yeah, and those days are behind us. Yep. They really are. I mean, now the tuning culture is totally different. It's a uh, it it's a different type of culture altogether. It's not. There's a laptop to tune your fucking car. Yeah, yeah. It's ridiculous. And cars are, and that stuff's so expensive now. That's another thing. Cars used to not be. I mean, there was always expensive cars, but you could buy a four door Ford LTD like he has, and put a gigantic motor in it, and it'd be a fucking a dangerous car. It'd be a crazy car. But nowadays, you know, you're not going to go out and buy. A car and drop a motor in it and do this all in your backyard. You're not going to be able to do that. You can, you know, you got to be no. very precise. Everything's put in there just perfect. Yep. A lot of motors are put in sideways. It's a totally different world now. So. Yeah, it totally is, man. Um, great line in this when Bert first comes into town and the ladies start seeing him. <laughs> and you quoted this and and you had to know we were going to tend to say this. So he looks at the one girl. And yeah. Says, Last time I saw you, you were flat chested. Yeah. It's and he amazing. Goes, <laughs> Yeah, I love, the Burt laugh is on is, is on full display in this, yeah. which is great. And the thing I like about his character, you know, small town, he feels like a folk hero in some ways. Yeah, well, the name's great. The character name might be one of my favorite character names. Gator McCluskey is a great name. It is a great name. And sure. it's just, you know, that sounds like the kind of thing that in a small town, everybody would know Gator McCluskey. Oh, yeah. 
You know, it just feels oh, yeah. like that. And of course, you know, there's a great scene where he's a Rebel Roy, Rebel Roy. Oh yeah, Rebel Roy. I like that. Yeah, and you know that just it's that kind of southern kind of mythological talk. You know, that just it's so great. Oh, I know it. It, it definitely is. Um, I like uh, you know one of the, the just some of the kind of throwaway shots. They kind of establish where we are as are really great like the sun there's one moment with the sun's kind of coming down and you see the mother at the clothesline and oh yeah it just it really sets up the town it's in and it, it just feels like a world that's real and you know it, it's inhabited by these characters and it's uh yeah if you ever come down here when you when, not if but when, will, when you sure. ever come down here yeah i can take you to areas i'm, t- I'm not kidding i can take you to areas that are still like this i mean i can i can take you to places where people still hang their clothes and it's not far uh, and you know they do it around sunset for obvious reasons. It's so fucking hot. Oh yeah. And uh, yeah, you know, people, women still wear those uh, those button up dresses. Those those dresses I think are so hot. Jennifer Billingsley wears these uh, those great sundresses in this. She oh, yeah. is, she's got great legs, by the way. Jesus. Yeah, man. Oh, but uh, and those legs look great in that dress. And uh, yeah, you still see women of a certain age still wearing those dresses, no shoes on. Uh, hanging clothes on the clothesline. Still, uh, I don't know. I think it's inbred in me, this kind of inbred, but it's bred in me. <laughs> Maybe inbred might be the right word. Uh, there's this uh, seductive quality to it. It's almost like the girl washing the car in Cool Hand Luke. Or Big time. It, there's this kind of southern sexiness to it. I agree. I think it's fantastic. And, you know, one of the things that she reminded me of, not so much in her face, but her hair and the way she dresses, is she reminds me of like a... I guess seventies Karen Black. Oh yeah, in yeah. some ways, yeah. Just the way she moves and stuff. Um, she got that great line. She's shaky pudding. Oh yeah, that's great. <laughs> it's it's just great. The nicknames and everything. It's really really fantastic. Dude Watson and like I said, dude's great in the film. And um, what did I write here? I don't know what this note means now. Let me just see here. Oh JC, yeah, sheriff. He cuts a long shadow. Yeah. Um, what else? Uh, sugar pudding, great name. You do know? Does ever does you do know what <clears throat> shaky pudding is? I don't. <laughs> okay, well, I guess this is being in the South. I guess I guess we'll explain to some of our listeners what shaky pudding is. <laughs> yeah, shaky pudding is slang for uh, well for pussy. Oh, nice! I didn't know that. Yeah, so. I've never heard that term. <laughs> I mean, other than seeing this one, but I wouldn't have remembered it. Yeah, to be as crass as I can be, uh, that that is that is what it is. I mean, you hear people say, you I know, she said sugar pudding. No, shaky pudding. Shaky pudding shaky is pudding. yeah. <laughs> it's a tag for uh, it's kind of a you know. Like, obviously, there's a lot of words for vagina that you know, cunt and beaver and pussy and all these words that are you know crass. But yeah. uh, shaky pudding is kind of one of those that. You know, you can kind of say that isn't as. I don't think it's as crass. Oh, actually, I know it's not as crass, um, but it is kind of just naughty in the way it's said. You know, it's very cheeky. But I guess the more that pudding gets consumed, <laughs> yeah. the more shaky it gets. Yeah, yeah, shaky pudding. Shaky pudding. It's great, but I like that. I like that line. Uh, <laughs> I, I can I can remember growing up and uh, some of my grandfather's friends uh, saying. Uh, shaky pudding, and I remember thinking, "What the fuck is shaky pudding?" Of course, you know, I'd ask my grandfather, and he'd be like, "Ah, you're not old enough. You'll find out what shaky pudding is." Oh yeah, and of course I did. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's right, man. 
Uh, I think this blue looks very good. There's times when it looks very average, very mediocre, uh, yeah. just a step above DVD. But other parts, some of the exteriors, the sky and stuff looks really good. The opening is weird. The, that great opening with uh, Ned Beatty and the boats, that looks a little dodgy. Actually, I got kind of nervous when we started when I started watching that. And I was like, oh, man, this doesn't. This looks like every other copy of uh, White Lightning I've ever seen. It's a little yep. fuzzy and kind of messed up, but it, but it cleans up nicely as it goes along. It yeah, no, there's some really good spots in it. Um, what is this? Oh, I love the moment when, when Bert first sees. I don't want to say what leads Bert to, to want to get. Fuck. <laughs> Above and beyond the business of why he's getting him, there's a personal reason he's he wants to get Connors. And um, I love that that moment when he meets him for the first time and he's revving the engine at the stoplight. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's such an asshole. <laughs> and, and that's when we get the great line from Bert, only two things I'm scared of. Yeah. Yeah, and he, and he says the southern way you say police. Yeah. Which is police. That's the way we yeah. say it down there. Is, yeah, you got to watch out for the police. Now, where was Bert from? Was he from Georgia or Florida? Yeah, Florida. He's from uh, Florida. Uh, I, think he was, I think he went to Florida State, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He played, He's a uh, great played football, football. Yeah, yeah. He's selling his, unfortunately, he's selling his Florida State trophy, too. Ah, oh, fuck. I got to be honest with you, man. I, I, it's really devastating that he's selling all that stuff. But I did go through the materials because there were some things in there. I was like, I'm tempted to buy something from this thing. The Rolodex. Uh, oh, I'd love that bandit jacket. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. But I mean, I'd, ideally, I'd love the Trans Am and the bandit jacket and maybe possibly a hat. <laughs> yeah, no, that'd be great, man. Drive to the that'd next horror hound in uh, my 77 Trans Am. Oh, but Go can on. you imagine that? <laughs> <laughs> you imagine that? Oh, That's a piece to keep, man. I oh, yeah. I know. It, it is sad what he's what it's come to for uh, Bert. Um, but, of course, you know, famous fleeting. It, it doesn't last forever. and. Was it money mismanagement that, that brought him here? Uh, I'm sure it is, but we talked about this before. I mean, he did not take his Boogie Nights nomination and really do anything with it. Other than get a lot of quick money. Yeah, a lot of quick money, a lot of bad movies. I mean, if you look oh, at post-Boogie Nights, there's very few roles or films that are worth even looking at. Somehow, somehow he made worse career decisions Well, by a, by a country mile than even John Travolta did post Pulp Fiction. Because yeah. Travolta made a few good films post Pulp Fiction, but he did. And uh and he's I think lately, I think probably in the last ten years, Travolta's done worse than he did before the ten years previous of after Pulp Fiction it seems. But uh he seems to I think I think Travolta seems to well no, I'm not gonna say that because he's gonna end up making more bad he 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 has a terrible agent. <laughs> so, yeah. so something about his film choices are just bad. And jet fuel ain't cheap. Yeah, that's true. Jet fuel's not cheap. That's right. <laughs> so but yeah, it's really too bad. Because I think especially with Boogie Nights, man, Bert like Bert can act, man. Bert's legit. He can act. Yes, he but can. But I think Bert Bert's problem was Bert got caught up wanting to make fun films with friends. You know, whether well, for better or worse, but now you could say you'd argue that he had fun doing it, and that's yeah, all that matters. Th- that's that's the most interesting dilemma for Bert for me. He wanted to make fun movies with friends and have a good time. Yes, he himself has looked back on that badly in interviews, and I think that's kind of a shame. I'll yeah. agree that okay, you're not the Marlon Brando of your generation. You're not even the Sylvester Stallone of your generation. Stallone, you can argue, is you know a good filmmaker. Burt's not as good a director as Stallone is. Um, 
I don't know if I take Stallone over Reynolds or vice versa. I don't um, know. In a serious turn, well, yeah, well, I don't yeah. know. I think Burt could do it, man. Yeah, he I, could. I, I, Sly's good in serious films too, though. Yeah, but I think that. I really wish that he wouldn't look back on that era as a bad thing. Yeah. Because it was a magical time for, for Reynolds uh, and all of his buddies hanging out and making movies. And you could argue that it's the same thing as that Sinatra era or the same thing yeah. as, as the Stallone era or anything. You could. This is kind of typical of the number one box office star type films. Mm-hmm. They tend to, you know, just want to have fun. And I would say from Bert's mid-30s to his 50s, he had probably some of the most fun of anybody in the history of Hollywood. Absolutely. Absolutely he did. The only problem, I think, speaking only is with a critical eye in film. Because correct, if I could correct. do it the way he did it, why wouldn't you? Yeah. And yeah. It, was like, it was like a rock star, man. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's Why a re- he's having fun. He did the Cannonball Run, you know. He- Why wouldn't you involve your friends? And, yeah. You know, Hal Needham was a great friend of his, and Hal Needham works on this film. Right? Yeah, he's the second director, like yeah. the uh, assistant director. Yep. Yeah, he does. Uh, he did the uh, the LTD onto the barge stunt. Almost killed oh, himself. Oh man, he almost yeah, killed. That, that was a dangerous. Like that's both of these films. He does a stunt where he almost kills himself. <laughs> and both these films have, we should say, have really great stunt work. Yeah, yeah. Anything with Hal Needham's stunt work is typically pretty pretty solid. He's not the greatest. This has, I think, Buddy Joe Hooker in it as well, doing some of the yeah. car stuff, which uh, Tarantino, I think, used Buddy Joe in Death Proof. Death, yeah. Yeah, so I think that was a dream of his. That's what I always... I'm envious of uh, Tarantino because he can call up Buddy Joe fucking Hooker and say, hey, man, <laughs> I need some car stunt work. And I'm sitting there thinking, that's Buddy Joe fucking Hooker, man. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> A fucking I think legend. him and his son did it right because his son kind of got into the racket. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's crazy, man. It's uh, um, there are some great shots in the film too. Even though this is kind of uh, you know workman for most of it, in a, not in a bad way. Just, but I love the shot of the car leaving uh, Bogan County. You see the sign. Oh yeah, it would make a really great uh, poster. Um, you know what? Something I'd never seen that you've seen this film is the train track that runs right through the town. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, that's crazy to me. Yeah. It's, you know, the way, like, it just, like, through downtown. I was It's like a streetcar, but it's a train. Yeah, uh, a lot of your small towns in the south and in the west are like that. Yeah, well, trains drove everything, man, for a long time. Yep. Um, great seeing Bert's reaction shots, of course. <laughs> like, especially when he's driving. Yeah. Now, did Bert do a fair bit of his own driving, do you know? I have to think he did, no? He did some of his driving in this one, yeah. Um, except for the crazy stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah I think yeah. he did most of his driving in this one. He, uh, The only difference is he didn't, uh, obviously he didn't do the jumps and he didn't do, well, you know, I, I don't know how much of it he did and how much he didn't, but they did in the smart way that they did like with Bullet. They, they kept the camera on him when he would like take off and peel out and stuff. But Bert could drive. He wasn't... Uh, he wasn't incapable of, uh, you know, spinning a car around or grinding some tires or something like that. That's another thing about this movie. It's so weird. I used to always joke around. This is the the dirt in Arkansas must be like um, asphalt everywhere else because tires squeal on dirt in this film like crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, but it seems like he's doing some of his own driving. But, uh, I, you know, the courthouse where he, he goes up to the woman and he's trying to sweet talk her. I could just be th- imagining this because, uh, you know, the South and the era, but it really looked like um, the courthouse or like the federal building that we see in Walking Tall. Mm, yeah. When uh, when um, 
uh, Buford's walking with his family. But you know, it might just be the architecture of the time. I wonder. Uh, I wonder. Uh, you guys. Uh, you guys have. I mean, obviously, you have courthouses. Um, What's that? Uh, <laughs> or no? Yeah. <laughs> what is that? This is Can- this is Canada. We don't- <laughs> yeah. Anarchy. Uh, it's funny. A couple years ago, I think on my top ten list, I did a fil- I set a film on there that was called uh, General Orders Number Nine. Yep. And what's interesting about that film, the General Orders Number Nine film, is that uh, get down, cat. Jesus, right in my face again. Uh, it's like so right Bert, on the, Bert probably had to say that a lot. <laughs> yeah, get down, shaky pudding. Uh, <laughs> uh, what's interesting about that film is that uh, the the I'm trying to push this cat off the uh, um, the towns back in those days usually started with a courthouse or a schoolhouse or something like that, and then they grew outwards from there. So a lot of your small southern towns are still like this, and including the well, the town I live in. The town I live in, not the town I live in per, per se, but the one next to it, Shepherdsville. Uh, you go down to downtown Shepherdsville, and there's a courthouse right there in the middle of Shepherdsville. That's where uh, that one porn star, Cody Lane, got locked up for a while. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you, you, the, everything grows out from that, in this small town, everything grows out from that uh I mean, literally, if I if I was to take you down there, there's the courthouse, and then there's the main strip, and then there's all these little stores and restaurants. Some of them are still there, some of them aren't, and it's all that. That's the main strip. That's the city of Shepherdsville, and it's literally less than a mile, and it looks just like this. You go into the town, and you drive down, and like in in two minutes, you're already out of town. That's <laughs> crazy, and it's still like that to this day. It's, yeah. Except, well, except if still- you go left, if you go left, then it's Trucker City because. Shepherdsville's a a, a, a a gateway between Nashville and Kentucky, Louisville. So yeah. if you go through Shepherdsville, you're stopping to get your fast food or you're fueling up your truck, and then you head down toward Nashville, which is only three hours down the road. So Is it that close, right? Yep. So oh, I didn't know that. Um, I'll tell you, Bert lives like a king. He gets bacon and eggs while he swims in the lake. Fuck yeah. That's, that's, that's life right there, man. It's amazing. He gets more than that in that lake. Yeah, I guess that shake, that shaky pudding. Yeah, I always I always cringe when I see people swimming in uh, fucking southern lakes and all that moss and stuff. No, I'm not funny. I'm not a swimming guy anyway, but I'm certainly not a swimming guy when it comes to rivers and lakes. Yeah, it's uh, yeah a little different. Um, my mom, she was watching with me this part, and I guess she'd remembered seeing it uh, years ago. And she goes, she goes, wait until you hear the line that she says to him in a minute. And this is when we get. One of the best lines in the film. She says, now I know why they call you Gator. <laughs> and he goes, ha, 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 ha. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's amazing. Um, I love the sheriff when he starts, he gets a bit of a, a monologue. He's getting really frustrated with things. And he talks about how they're going to integrate our schools and, and, uh, and communism and <laughs> all sorts of shit. And I like that through both these films, it feels like there's always that, Awareness of sort of the North and and mistrust of the North and North Yankees and I don't know I just I like all that stuff it's yeah. uh, it, it, it's done very organically without it sort of being like a statement because the films are about more than that certainly yeah um and I love too when the sheriff when they say to him what are you going to do he goes I'm going to get mean yeah because you you know man like this, we've seen what this guy can do yeah yeah I like the uh I think this might be the first film that said it, it, but certainly a line that became part of Bert's career, and that was the uh, when Roy says, "You ready?" and he goes, "I was born ready." Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's the first time, but I've always associated "I was born ready" with uh, Bert Reynolds. Yeah, that's awesome. 
Uh, him and him and chewing gum. There's two things that <laughs> yeah, always chewing gum, man. Yeah. <laughs> always. Um, I love, love, love when when Gator's snooping around the house and he sees the uh, the girl getting her hair did, <laughs> and he's talking to her, and uh, thing comes in. Um, that, that, I think I think one of the things that's most underrated about this movie, outside of what you said, the Joseph Sargent pretty solid directing, is the writing. I don't sense that a lot of this was improvised, but the writing between the character interaction, you can see why Quentin Tarantino likes this so much. Oh, big time. Because, you know, there's moments where, you know, like uh, a good example is when she's like uh, talking to him, but he's like, what's all, what are you always writing in that little book? Oh, it's great. <laughs> and he goes, I'm writing the story of my life, darling. And so much of it. Because we get, cause we get characters that are, that, are, that are bigger than life. Like they feel... Yeah, you know, it's not just kitchen sinky. Like they're colorful. There's a cast of colorful characters in this. Without it feeling like it feels effortless, though. Yeah, but the only line in here I think it's really silly is the when Gator calls Roy a super giant ass and they start fighting. Yes, <laughs> yes, I agree. And, but that fight, you know what it reminds me of? I wonder if Carpenter is a fan of that scene because that fight reminds me a little bit of They Live. Yeah, I love that scene because I love that cop coming out. And he goes, "Now, boys, I don't mind you fooling around, but you can't park in the alley like this." Yeah, that's good, man. <laughs> It's good. Um, the one scene in the woods, there's like a tussle in the woods that got pretty grainy and dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfortunate. You're right about R.G. Armstrong, though. He is he is as intimidating or as nasty as Ned Beatty is, and of course, R.G. in real life, he was a very Christian man, very big time prayer kind of guy. And but he man, he played great assholes. Peck and Paul loved using him, and big time. He just had a presence and that voice. Yeah. And uh, that uh, that moment where he's like, uh, "You can eat my grub. I'll even let you haul my whiskey." <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's but great. you don't ever do me no wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Um, I don't even know I, if I'm doing impressions or if I'm just doing myself. <laughs> <laughs> because the more and more I talk like this, the more and more I realize I kind of talk like this anyway when I'm kind of like talking to my friends and stuff. That's amazing. Um, there's a really surreal moment near the back end of the film or, or sequence where I'd seen something I'd never seen in film and that is I'd never seen a nun sawing handcuff, <laughs> handcuffs off someone before. Yeah. yeah. And that gets really surreal to me, man. And yeah. it's like, but I love that. I love that there's all these, this sort of, um, this underground or these underground kind of, uh, not just culture, uh, with you know with cars and everything and moonshine and running and stuff, but you know like there's like the doctor you go see if you're a criminal you got a bullet wound or yeah yeah, yeah. you know what's her name not shaky what's shaky Puddin's name in this um as Lou Lou's her real name Lou that's right how Lou takes him to this like what was that place like a house for for pregnant prostitutes no that, no no I think it's just pregnant teenagers and pregnant oh girls. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah, but it's just a bizarre, bizarre scene, man. And uh, but I like that. Yeah, that's got uh, some good moments. Uh, that one line does feel like a Burt line. Uh, I was trying to save these two buddies of mine from getting knocked up by a homosexual. Yeah, yeah. And it's like what yeah. the fuck is that all about? But anyway, very strange. There's a few <laughs> lines that feel like Burt thought they were going to work, and he winged them. And yeah, not 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 as much as this is in the next film. Yeah, wow. next, well, that's because Burt's directing. There's so. some yeah, there's some chicken winging going on in the next one. Let me tell Big you, time there is. <laughs> Uh, I'll, I'll finish up here very quickly. Um, <clears throat> great line, and I love it because uh, Beatty is so pissed off. Something happens to me, smashes up his car. I think it's supposed to, are you okay? And he's so fucking mad. He goes, well, you see me walking. <laughs> you you see me walking, don't you? 
Yeah, it's great, man. And I got to say, the, the the air the car gets is pretty impressive. It is. It's uh, that Hal Needham, Buddy Joe Hooker. Oh man, I would. This, lo- man, I tell you what. If there would be people, always say if you could have dinner with one celebrity. Uh, you know, I've always always said Stanley Kubrick. I'd like to sit down with Stanley Kubrick and just pick his mind and all that stuff. But I would not mind sitting in a bar with Buddy Joe Hooker and Hal Needham. That'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> That'd be a lot of fun, man. Absolutely, it would. Um, this piece of trivia here, Smith Family Trivia, the car chase in this near the back end is it might be Braden's first like proper car chase. Oh yeah, because he was homesick from school, and uh, he watched it with me. And yeah. uh, he saw it, and then when the film went back to the like the title menu, like William saw it, and they love the poster for this film. Oh, and both posters for this movie are, are awesome. Yeah, they're great. Amazing. I love white posters like that. Oh yeah, no, oh, they're so good, so good. Both of them are good. Yeah, they are, man. I could, uh, I could, you know, I got a few more things, but it's just minutia. I'll certainly like to hear what you have to say because we're getting long here on time already. Now the. Um most of the stuff I'll add is just, you know, the little stuff. I think her name was – well, Roy called her Sugar Pudding anyway, so she does that shaky pudding thing. Oh, but, so that's why I had Sugar yeah. Pudding written down then. Yeah, but then he called Lou. He said Lou too. and so you know. I thought it was Thing's sister at first. I thought it was Bo Hopkins' sister, but then it, it's not. It was no, just like – kind of add that uh, triangle to the thing, which is a nice touch. This film is uh, PG, which yeah. is it, – it's not it, – of course, I think it's a totally legit PG. It's not a – It is. It's not a bad, but it is interesting because I don't think in today's era this would be PG because there's enough sexual innuendo and enough uh, dirtiness and kind of there's a little bit of blood, uh, nastiness and drinking and everything. I think nowadays they would probably put this PG-13. I think it's kind of silly, but at the same time, I I think, you know, today's censors would see it differently. I think that one of the things watching these two films back is they could have had a harder edge and I might have liked them more, but it's kind of nice to see the... They're both kind of, I don't know if sweet's the right word, but I wasn't too worried with like the kids watching. There's not a lot of cuss words. Yeah. Um, there's some innuendo, but that's going to fly over their heads. Yeah. A little bit more sex in the second film than yeah. sexual innuendo stuff in the second film than there is in the first, but it's there, obviously. Yeah, it's going to fly over their heads. I mean, he's, they're not kids are not going to be like, last time I saw you use flat chest, and they're not going to know. No, they're not yeah. going to know what that means. Not going to be like I, me. I just and hope he doesn't go to school and says that to one of his classmates. Yeah, yeah. Not going to be like me and start, uh, you know, pausing the Blu-ray, looking to see if I can see down her shirt. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they haven't reached that age yet. No. Uh, <laughs> a lot of the sayings in this film, as I said, a lot of them are still around. Uh, so hungry you could eat the ass. Well, we say so hungry you eat the ass end out of a cow down here. But he says the ass end out of a hobby horse, which is funny because, you know, obviously you can't eat a hobby horse. But that tells you how hungry he is. Uh, that's Bo Hopkins there. I have a feeling Roy Boone, Bo Hopkins, I have a feeling he probably uh, winged that one because he's, as I've said, he is a true Southern man. He is, uh, even Burt Reynolds, I think, on the interview on the disc says that Bo is a true Southern gentleman uh, and kind of laughs and the fact that, you know, you can't take the South out of Bo. He's, he's totally a Southern man. That's awesome. Another great line uh, Ned Beatty says is, you're about as useless as tits on a boar hog. Oh, yeah. Which yeah, is, when he's walking uh, into the room. Yeah, which is great. Uh, it'll go along with our uh, sucking hind tit from last week. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, but this is really—I guess we could say this is really kind of Reynolds. Uh, this is the beginning of his that kind of streaking comet that was his superstardom mm-hmm. uh, from about seventy-three, seventy-four to about I guess eighty-three, maybe eighty-two. Because yeah. I think what was um, the Bandit films were like eighty-one, eighty-three, somewhere. I think there. the first Bandit film seventy-eight. Okay. 
And the second one had to be like 81. Yeah. I, don't I Gator, think it's early 80s. Gator was huge. Gator was a big hit. This wasn't. This was kind of the beginning, but I think Gator may have been the first like big, big, big hit. hit. Yeah, the big, big hit. Yeah. And really what you see in Gator is kind of what we were talking about, those films that he ended up kind of riding into superstardom, those uh, ones that he kind of knocks now, but really he shouldn't because it was a genre. I mean, a Burt Reynolds movie is like a Charles Bronson movie. It's almost like a movie unto themselves. Yeah, you're going to have an ensemble he's having fun with. Colorful characters, wacky, you know, Bert's going to be charming, uh, you know. I think that, uh, I can't remember, I'm trying to see if I can see, uh, like, what this may have made in the States, but it does only show Sweden. <laughs> Ooh, I but, it was big in Sweden. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, no, it's, 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 it's really solid. And I think what I, watching it this time, I think what I appreciate about this film the most is it really, it kind of glorifies the South in a way. It yeah, doesn't. It, does. it doesn't kind of shit on it. I, it, it the the South uh, in a lot of movies, uh, you know, there is a bad sheriff in a lot of these movies and stuff, and that's fine. That that's not the sort of stuff I'm talking about. But usually they kind of make fun of the Southern people in in a yes. kind of a way, which I don't like. Yeah, which I don't like either. But this one, I think they they don't. They don't make fun of the Southern people. They nope. they they appreciate the Southern way of living. And uh, you know, there's that great scene where Bert's kind of uh, wooing the uh, secretary, and he's like, "Oh man, I hate oh, to man. eat alone." She's like, "Well, I hate yeah, to eat alone I love too." That scene. Yeah. And he kisses her and stuff, and pulls the Burt, tries to pull the Burt magic off. Oh yeah, yeah. So, I should say also, R.G. Armstrong's pretty great when he's getting that massage in the beginning. Yeah, <laughs> such a nasty character, man. Oh, uh, they're drinking that moonshine. I don't know if you you've had moonshine, right? I've had moonshine. I've had East Coast Canadian moonshine, yeah. which is pretty intense. And I've had moonshine in the states too. It's Fuck. Uh, they just drink it like water in this film. I, I don't. Geez. I don't know. If, for anybody that's never drank moonshine, trust me, you can't drink it that way. You can't, man. <laughs> you, my gut just started started burning thinking about yeah. it. Yeah, so I mean there 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 is some you can drink that's not the real deal. Not the real deal corn liquor as in uh, not fucking uh, fucking turpentine or fucking shit you can strip paint with. That's real moonshine. Real moonshine is, you know, you might as well fucking be drinking gasoline. But the you can buy, obviously, quote, unquote, moonshine in places and stuff. We had that apple pie moonshine with yeah. the lightning bug. Yeah. Yeah, that stuff's really good. Oh, man, that every time I think about it, I remember I told you I, th- I had that toothache. Yeah, that's right. And let me tell you, apple pie moonshine and the toothache, woo. As they say in the South, woo, doggy. That shit wasn't no good, boy. <laughs> let me tell you, woo. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I'd be dog, damn, woo. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, but I don't have a whole lot more to add. I just think that, you know, this is the beginning of the Bird era, and uh, it's kind of fun to talk about it and kind of see where it all kind of stems from because we'll be talking about more films of his, obviously, over the history of the show and uh, and over the duration of the show. And really, from this point on, he's he's Bert. This is really kind of before he was quote-unquote Bert. And uh, this might be the last film, actually, where he was uh, that that individual the uh, the Burt Reynolds that was the up and coming actor, as opposed to Burt Reynolds superstar. I, I can't. Yeah, I can't. Remember. I'm looking right now. Look, uh, Seamus, uh, the man who loved cat dancing, White Lightning, all seventy three. Yeah, because seventy four is the longest yard. So that's the beginning of big hits. Burt, yeah. Hustle, Gator, Smoking the Bandit was, was uh, seventy seven, not seventy eight. Hooper was seventy eight. Which uh, did we? No, wait, we didn't do Hooper. I did Hooper. You with did the, Hooper with um, Chinstroker guys. That's right. Yeah, we ought to do Hooper at some point too, though. I would love to. Yeah, so much good stuff in there. I've never seen Seamus, if you can believe it. 
I've seen it before. Yeah, I think the loaf of them covered that with this, and uh, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's not bad. Not bad at all. Fuzz is pretty good too. So never seen fuzz. Yeah. Well, we'll get to them. Uh, nice. I, I've always wanted to do Navajo Joe, so I'm sure we'll do that at some point. Yes, time. which I do like. Yeah, it's a uh, Corbucci. Like. All right, let's get make a breaks. We got still got to do break. Gator, and we're an hour behind. Yeah, man. Uh, I love the scene with Bert and Ned when they finally meet face to face with Bo in the car, and I really enjoy it, man. Really like it. Uh, MVT, I'm going to go with just the South and the feel of the South. And um, I, I just, like I said, I loved it. It felt uh, authentic, organic. I liked that they celebrated it without, you know, overdoing it or making it felt organic without just being distracting or a caricature of the South. Um, and my score is a 7.75. I think this is excellent, nice. excellent drive and fair, great film of the era. Um, and, you know, it's pretty safe for kids to, I mean, not to say, you know, pop it on with like a five-year-old, but my kids, when they came in the room and I was watching, I was like, oh man, I better turn this off. Like, you know, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's one of the ones like alongside sort of like, um, like Terrence Hill and Bud Spencer films. Like I'll introduce them to the kind of the world of kind of drive-in fare through films like this and that. Yeah. Yeah. Car stunts and should, cool guys. And- should also say, I really like that makeshift eye patch they make for him. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's so sloppy and oh man, I like it because it is so you know sloppy. I love how he tears it off. You see the Big stitches time. and the you know now he's going to drive his car one handed. Um, okay, uh, my make or break. Ooh man, so much. Uh, there is a lot of great moments. That first car chase is pretty great. I love that barge scene. That's so Bert the uh, getting out and sitting on the and wait oh, and kind of you know the kind of shutting of the hood and all that stuff. I'll be damned. That one cop says, I think. Yeah. Um. My MVT, did you say Reynolds? Because I said Reynolds. Yeah. I said the South. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, the Reynolds. For me, it's Reynolds. Uh, this is, uh, I like him more in this than I do in Gator because in Gator, he really kind of, he's full tilt Burt. And we'll get into the why I have some issues with the Gator character in the second film as opposed to this one. But uh, I really like him in this because he's kind of, he's real scrappy and stuff. Yeah, he uh, is. Very, you know, sweaty, as, as we said. Very yeah, sweaty. Yeah. Uh, I think this is what we talked about last week. I think this is a GGTMC classic. I agree. I think this is. Uh, so I'll give this an 8 out of 10. I think this is uh, just a little bit higher than yours. Uh, but it is a GGTMC classic and close to, <clears throat> uh, for this genre, uh, probably close to a masterpiece. I'd probably yeah, say. It's very good, man. There's no weakness in this film. There's not. There's not. It's It's got nice pacey moments. It's got nice quiet moments between characters. Everybody kind of gets a moment to shine. Yep. Um, which is nice. Uh, everybody, yeah. I think even Dude gets a moment to shine. Uh, yeah, he does. Dude's parents, uh, Gator's parents, uh, which I think Dude's dad in this ends up being Gator's dad in Gator. He does. He does. <laughs> bizarre. Um, but anyway, you know, I think this is, you know, it's a, it's a great film. I can see why people like Tarantino love it so much. And I think uh, most of our listeners would dig it. Um, oh, for sure, man. I can't find any, I can't imagine anyone hating it. Like, No, 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 no. Not that kind of film for sure, uh, which uh, you know, like I said, we'll talk about with Gator. I can see people having issues with Gator in spots. Yeah. So, all right. So that's our thoughts on White Lightning. Ooh, uh, we're gonna take a <laughs> we're gonna take a break and come back and uh, talk a little Gator. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll be back right after this. Hey, this is Scott of Married with Clickers. Tune in to hear my wife Cat and me discuss all sorts of movies. We'll cover everything from The Lost Weekend to Weekend at Bernie's. From the big sleep to Big Mama's house. Well, maybe not Big Mama's house. 
And the great thing about Kat is that she's not afraid to speak her mind. And would you be surprised to hear he was nominated for Best Actor that year? For that film? For that film. <laughs> but don't take my word for it. Just listen to what the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema has to say about our show. Well, it's a husband and wife show, and they discuss movies and stuff. Yeah, a very wife-husband show. High praise indeed. So come find us at marriedwithclickers.libson.com. It will save your life. Or maybe just help you kill an hour. Raised in the swamp, back in the saloon. He grew up eating rattlesnake meat, drinking homemade brew. The folks here about call him Gator, and everybody knows him well. Meanest man ever hit the swamp, folks swear it comes straight out of hell. <laughs> well, Gator McCluskey sitting on the stump. Hammer pulled back on the trail gauge pump Watching that swamp, looking out front of law While they make the best corn liquor you ever saw Rock good whiskey <laughs> While he's making that mash, he watches and he looks Oh, Gator, he knows that swamp Like a put something out there the Gator, what do you see? Ain't nothing but the snakes and the Gators and me That shelf ain't snooping around, so cook that moonshine down till it's good and clear. Everything don't get broken, no get no get. That shelf it's soon to mess around with the devil and to get yourself long messing round in here. One day he was cooking some mags He was almost done When they spotted the law And they had to run So he hit him by the swamp And they followed him in But that almighty well Been a chasing the wind <laughs> Alright <laughs> And I love that song so much <laughs> I love that song Amazing. so much It is so great I, I would argue that Jerry Reed may have been Without him even knowing it May have been an influence on hip hop <laughs> Yeah, no kidding, man. <laughs> yeah, he's really getting down that song. Oh, Gator yeah, McCluskey. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's okie-dokie in the oak Pinocchio. It's fantastic. It's a fucking great theme song. Yeah, and it's better than the, which I'll get to, the way this movie ends with that, that real sappy song. Oh, man. Uh, anyway, uh, okay, so Gator, uh, 1976. Uh, do you want a synopsis? you want me to synopsis? Yeah, I can synopsis. It's a pretty easy Agents synopsis. Agents force an ex-con to help them nab a corrupt politician. Is he really a politician? <laughs> I don't think he's a politician. No, I think he may support politicians. He supports politicians, yeah, but yeah. that's business moves. Yeah, he supports the mayor that uh, they're in the, the house of ill repute. Yeah, uh, that's right. <laughs> which is always a great way to say it. And uh, Anyway. All right, so Gator, this is interesting. This is where uh, some argue that Bert, uh, some argue this that Bert uh, became what you were, what we were talking about in the last review, which is everybody hanging out, having a good old boys' time, and uh, you know, a real boys' club type cinema uh, would be a good way to put it. Um, this film is definitely. I'll, I'll just put my cards on the table right now. This film struggles with tone big time. It does. Uh, I think so. The, the 
the the moments where it tries to be outright just ridiculous comedy. Some of that Burt Reynolds comedy. Uh, one good example is him and those kids. And although I do like that scene, him and those kids in that uh, phone booth. Oh, I love. Uh, oh, that's sorry. I, I shouldn't have said I love that. I didn't love it, but yeah, yeah it's it's bizarre. that scene by they, itself is okay. In this yes. movie, it's bizarre. <laughs> well, that's where yeah, the film kind of suffers a little bit <clears throat> in that it is a bit um, all over the place. I think Burt wanted to have his cake and do too, and yeah. I like that because Bert's directing. He's got an eye. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Visually, this film is, is better shot. Yes. Than White Lightning. Uh, looks looks better too on blue. It looks better. Absolutely, looks better on blue. Um, and I feel like he wanted to get some things out, uh, which some of the things I like. Like I like the some of the more socially conscious things that he talks about, like. You know, like the, there's a moment Jerry says, "Well, you always were you always were colorblind," and yeah. and they're in that the, the uh, African American bar, and and Brits is black is beautiful, and yeah, you know, I love stuff like that because it's his way. I think, and and I think in all seriousness, I got to commend him for that because his yeah. audience, he had the ear and eyes of a southern audience, and you know, he was sort of saying what he believed, you know, which is I think is important um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. without being political about it. Was still making a fun film, but unfortunately, there are other things like the dog scene where. It, that's when it really becomes sort of like Terrence Hill, yeah. In a lot of ways, are you talking about like the beginning with the puppies? Well, with the puppies or with the dog in the phone booth? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. I forget about that. I forgot about the dog. And I, I just talked about it and I fucking forgot about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, ooh, I might need to see a doctor about that. Anyway, the uh, yeah, no, that and the puppy. They, they, there's little moments, and of course, Bird is um, a man dear, near and dear to a Canadian's heart. He, he does love the double denim in this. I think at one he point loves he loves the double denim. I think at one point he might even be rocking triple denim. He might be. That's like, the hat trick, man. <laughs> the, Canadian, that's the, hat the denim trick. jacket plus the denim shirt plus the denim jeans. That's yeah. Bert looks good in this. Yeah, yeah. This is the look that he kind of developed. That really he kind of stuck with for like the next ten years, which was that uh, kind of uh, button-up denim shirts, uh, blue jeans were big for Bert. Huge cowboy boots. Yeah, denim's denim was bigger for Bert than it was for Norris even. So, oh yeah, and it was pretty big for Norris. We know that. So. <laughs> but uh yeah Bert you know the the only thing he does missing in this is a cowboy hat so yeah it's true um so this one he decided to cast Jerry Reed who he was friends with and I don't know if this is the first time they worked together I think it may have been on film now Jerry Jerry's an interesting guy because like you said he does have an enormous head and a very small face but <laughs> the thing about Jerry Reed that really kind of comes across he's not a trained actor but he's one of those guys who and uh, the camera loves Jerry natural charisma yeah it's really amazing how much the camera loves him and not only that he has a great sense of comic timing and a great sense of uh like he can hang with tough actors i mean like he can hang with real deal actors he's he can he has presence he has charisma Mm -hmm. he's he's very good looks like he did ww and the dixie dance kings first with bert which I wanted to ask you, have you ever seen that one he did, Concrete Cowboys, I think it's called? No, what's it called? Concrete Cowboys. It called? I've seen most of what he's done. I saw I saw Bat 21. Of course, I've seen him in Waterboy. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen him in The Survivors, which he's great in with Robin Williams and Walter Matthau. He took the lead in Smokey and the Bandit Part 3, which is a shitty movie, but it, I think it gets shit on more than it should. Concrete Cowboys yeah, yeah. was a TV series that he did, but I never really saw any of that. I don't remember yeah, that. Yeah, TV made for TV movie. It's got a great cast. Jerry Reed, Tom Selleck, Morgan Fairchild, Claude Akins, Roy Acuff, Barbara Mandrell, um, Grace Zabriskie. <laughs> nice. I need to look that up. I need to look, at it, look into that. Yeah, 100 Minutes, 1979, yeah. 
check it out. Um, but yeah, you know, he did a few things and you know, not a lot, but it's funny that, you know, a whole generation knows Jerry is this actor when primarily he was a musician and uh, really didn't act that much. I mean, he did less than 20 things, so he really didn't do as much acting as everybody thinks. So it's very interesting to me. Yeah. But what he was in, he was in some very big movies at the time. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's what he's remembered for. The, uh, again, Burt wanted to use him as the heavy because he thought that Jerry had this uh, kind of quality to him where he could be very intimidating as the heavy and i think it's a pretty wise choice because jerry's pretty sleazy and awful in this he's he is he's a really bad ad, bad character bama mccall is a bad character he's a bad he dude is. he's a fucking scumbag and he plays it so well he's a great and we talk about this your film mm-hmm. needs a great heavy yep. he's a great heavy in this yep. and it and it's great when you have a heavy that is sort of like a so in some ways like a mirror image of your lead yeah 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 i totally agree with you i, I do I, I feel like with uh with both films the heavies as good as the lead and that's uh that's one of the important things i think about these yeah. two movies is that the 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 it works that way uh you got lauren hutton in here who's uh uh she's been on our show before right wasn't she in looker and we, i wasn't able to oh yeah and i love lauren hutton because the gap teeth but yeah. she feels a bit miscast like they, yeah. I think they should have gotten a southern actress versus like. Yeah, I mean, I know what they're going know, for. Model or whatever. Yeah, I know what they're going for there because she's a you know, stranger in a strange town thing, falling for the, uh, the effortless charm of Gator McCluskey. Oh, yeah. They have that great, uh, not great, I don't think, but it, it's very much old school cinema thing where Burke kind of looks off to the left and sees her, and she sees him, and they make the eyes. Oh yeah. So you know. Across yeah through the crowd. Yeah. So she's. I thought she wasn't in Looker. She was in Lassiter. I thought she was in Looker. Oh, man, she popped up again in Malone. I forgot she was in Malone. Did she have one? She was had a thing with Bert. Yeah. Well, Bert liked her a lot. Uh, on the interview on the disc, he talks about how she was very free and easy. She never wore a bra, you know, which is a Lauren Hutton thing. She never did. And she was very, you know, she would flash the crew all the time. And she just liked to have a lot of fun. So she was, was, she, uh, was she a lesbian? I don't think so. I Maybe. didn't think so either. My mom said that she thought that she had like a like a, a partner she'd been with for years, like a, another woman. And I said, no, are you sure? And she said, yeah, but I never looked into it. I just didn't know if maybe you knew or not. Maybe she... Maybe she went both ways. Maybe she... She you might know, have. You know, maybe she did the boy thing and uh, decided not to... Uh, <laughs> maybe not stick with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, it's, uh, teach their own. I mean, I, Oh, hey, know, for sure, man. Yeah. Whenever uh, tickles your shaky pudding. Yeah, whenever tickles the shaky pudding. That's right. <laughs> the uh, but the, that's some of the cast. Uh, there's some other uh, character actors in here. Alice Ghostly, who has a certain way of talking. She's been in a ton of stuff. Dub Taylor playing the mayor. He's got a great scene where he's got his hand on the ass of a prostitute, and Bert's laughing, which is classic Bert. Uh, yeah. Jack Weston plays Irving Greenfield, the uh, gentleman from uh, New York City. Uh, that's one of those things where you see where Bert. He really liked the way her. Uh, uh, Jack Weston talked, so he decided to cast him and stuff. I don't know if it was great casting or not. I think it's pretty good, but he's he's a little little too much of a buffoon for me sometimes. Oh, Jack Weston? Yeah. The, uh, oh, I agree. The New York it's cop. just dreadful. And see, that's where you get this cartoonish thing of yeah. like the New York City Jewish character. You know, it's a come on, man. Yeah. Like make him like a like a buffoon. You know, they could have made him a little more Bert's kind of equal instead of just such a fucking clumsy buffoon because they make a point to say he's like a pretty good 
um, like detective or criminal, like a, what was he like a not a detective? What was he? Was he worked for like the? He worked know, for the feds, I thought. The feds, right? So, I mean, they make a point that he brought down some criminals, but they make him such a kind of buffoon, you know, uh-huh. just trap falls and hijinks. Yeah, this one is shot in Georgia. Uh, Savannah and uh, I think somewhere else right around Georgia but you can tell yeah, if everybody's wearing a Falcon's hat through some of the film yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he that's a that's a typical bird thing right he, he kind of wherever he was he'd wear like uh like I remember the Steelers were huge in the 70s and he would uh, I think it was a smoking man part two he popped up at a Steelers practice yep. I think <laughs> yeah with mean Joe Green and uh yeah. a few Terry Bradshaw of course you know he cast Bradshaw in a few movies too so he did yeah is Bert- Terry Bradshaw's from Louisiana, I believe. Yeah, Turt's uh, Turt Turt uh, Reynolds <laughs> might be an unfortunate name for here for a superstar. What's up, Turt? Turt Reynolds. <laughs> yeah. I should tell this uh, story. Funny, my, my my son and I were playing uh, like a frozen like derivative of uh, shoots and ladders last night. Yeah, and I would go away to like you know check on the dogs or something else and. Uh, uh, he cracks me up. Sometimes he'll mispronounce a word, and one of my favorite things he mispronounces is farther. He always says farter. <laughs> he goes, ha-ha, Dad, I'm farter than you. <laughs> oh, you sure are, <laughs> I was like, well, that's debatable on some days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had had hot wings earlier in the day, so I don't think he was farter than me. Nice. But, uh, <laughs> I'll get some uh, wet naps. Uh. <laughs> well, we haven't had the uh, the after effect hasn't hit yet, so I'll let you know. Yeah. I'll fill you in. We'll do a uh, midnight ride on the uh, nice. the update of the, the old midnight runs. <laughs> yeah, of the old uh, the winky dinky there. Uh, <laughs> that decade of decadence. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> oh man. Anyway, uh, there's some great stunt work in this, though. We should say there's some, really great stunt work. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, that one stunt. That's the one stunt on the uh, the car, the truck, toward the back end. That's saying that's where uh, Needham almost uh, hit his head on the. Uh, on that truck, that was insane. Uh, oh man, yeah. So the boat pretty, work is really good in this. Oh yeah, that boat chase at the beginning is great. It's fucking amazing. You can tell there's more money. Yep, yep. With this film, and I do know, but Bird is driving the boat a little bit, and obviously, it's smart of him to put the hat on for two reasons. One, yeah, that, it's that, probably going to show his comb over. Yes. <laughs> and two, uh, you know, you're probably going to need Hal Needham to do some of that driving. So yes, <laughs> yeah. That, that's the old movie smart way of doing it. You know, put a hat on. You know, because Bert in in White Lightning, Bert wouldn't have put a hat on. No. But by this time, he realizes, and you can realize, obviously, his hairline is starting to recede tremendously. The poor guy. So maybe the mustache was used to compensate. Uh, yeah. I wonder if he ever was going to lose his hair if he, but we ever would have seen the mustache. Yeah. I think Bert's an interesting guy. Him and Stallone both. They refuse to show that receding hairline. They, re- I mean, well, Bert's showing it a little bit so here. Travolta. Yeah, Travolta too. Yeah, that's another good example. You're right. These are guys who refuse, just, re- just flat out refuse to ever be bald in any shape or form. Yeah. It's, it's amazing to me. Uh, and, and, and Travolta wears some pretty awful plugs. And- oh, so some of the stuff he wears is, is really bizarre. Really bizarre. I don't even yeah. know. I don't even know where you get that kind of stuff. <laughs> and he spends a lot of money on it. Well, again, that might be why he takes some of those roles he takes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that toupee budget oh man that's strong <laughs> uh, yeah look at poor jude law a guy who was in the prime of his kind of heartthrob a-list status and he yeah. lost his hair yeah but he's uh he's kind of a, he's kind of uh accepted it like he's kind of yeah. uh embraced it which yeah he is i mean I, I think that's fine i think it's fine to wear wigs and stuff don't get me wrong i mean i, I understand why it's these a, guys a, do an it awful thing like yeah. for a guy to lose his hair man like yeah i feel like 
I would, if someone said to me, you can lose two inches off your dick or you can lose your hair, <laughs> take the two inches, man. Yeah, yeah. It, well, take that's the thing. It's, 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 it's as important to men sometimes and their masculinity as, as oh. impotence or uh, anything yeah. like that. I mean, it's, it's devastating for men. It's a, yeah. It's this, it, 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 you'd have to be a male to understand. I think that uh, that's yeah. the best way to put it. Uh, but of course, you know, a lot of females like a balding man. It's not, uh, it's not the end of the world. But, no, it's uh, not, especially as you get older. You yeah, care but, less. It's, but it's, you know, Hollywood is a different animal. And these guys, you know, are constantly fighting the age thing. They're constantly mm-hmm. fighting that, just like the females are. Uh, it's average, actually, you know, females, are, for me, it's actually worse with females because at, at a certain age, it seems like females, you can only either be a mom, a grandma, or a funny grandma, or a funny mom. Yeah, once uh, you hit like 40, you know, the, the roles really dry up. Yeah. And which it's really a shame because Sad, women, shame. yeah, women are their most sexually interesting and and uh, uh, confident and everything when they get into their forties and stuff. So really, they should be, uh, you know, cast more often than more these life experience. Yeah, than these twenty year olds who are supposed to be the and airheads. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the the hot thing for the seventy year old Sean Connery. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, so ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. It gets you know, into- two of the two of the plot keywords for the Sardikayaf that are just so GGTMC: hairy chest and bare chested male. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Both films are very GGTMC this yes, week. They I, are. No doubt about that. Uh, now the big the big actor William Engesser, he uh, the big man who they they sell as being this giant by having him drive a car with his sticking his head out of the sunroof. No, he was seven foot two though. Yeah, he was. He's very big. Uh, that part was written for Richard Keel. I remember. Yeah, and he turned it down, but he preferred uh, Engesser to the role. Yeah, and uh, Engesser didn't do a whole lot of stuff, but he is uh, memorable. Uh, and Bert Bert had this thing for casting giant men in his films. Yeah, he did. There was a there. There seemed to be a couple of his uh, kind of silly redneck films where he always had like a, a really big man that he would fight, or that he would you know do that funny Bert look up to. Yeah, you know? I feel like with with people that were sort of visually interesting. Yeah, like because Dom DeLuise kind of you know, yeah interesting opposite to him and yeah, I, uh, yeah they had sure, a, I, they had a great chemistry him and Dom DeLuise. I, oh man, I, I'm not guy. a big Dom DeLuise guy. No, me neither. Uh, I've seen him in a few things where he's by himself, where he's okay. But for some strange reason, him and Burt Reynolds just they they nailed it with each other. I don't know what they it was. They did. It's just one of those friendships where you can see it on on camera. Yeah, it's just one of those rare things. And and that's the same way with this Jerry Reed thing. This oh, is yeah. a pretty great. I think the smart thing they did here was make Bama McCall's character a previous friend of Gator McCluskey's. Absolutely, because that shows through with the scenes between Burt and Jerry. That uh, you know they're friends and they're having a good time. Now, with saying that, there is a scene in this that I think, and I might be alone in this, at least with me and you, I think grinds the movie to a screeching halt, like the tires on a dirt road in White Lightning. And that is the the roofie scene. The, the roofie scene. The scene where the giant guy's putting the uh, pills in his drink. Oh man, I gotta say, I love that scene. Yeah, I can understand. It's hilarious. <laughs> I can understand when he starts Im- imitating his voice. <laughs> total I fucking howl. Total Burt Reynolds. I know it that totally is, is for me. That is the the, the <laughs> reason why some of this doesn't work. The tone oh, because it's man. like, why is that in this? I, I don't understand why that's in this movie. Because Burt directed. Correct. You're right. This You're is right. Burt wanted to have his cake and eat it too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he he is going full tilt there. And maybe it's not the scene so much I don't like, but it's the length of the scene. I mean, it goes on for some time. Uh, and you can even see it at moments, I think, for me, that Jerry Reed's like getting irritated. <laughs> like, yeah. He's yeah. like, 
laughing, but he's like, you know. But what I what I like about Reed a lot in this film, there's a great moment in that scene actually, is I like how he can laugh and kind of kill you with kindness, and then one second take that laugh away and be like, you know, the most evil son of a bitch on the face of the earth. Oh, big time. He does nail that very well in this movie, where he's he's likable and charming, but underneath he's a fucking snake. I mean, just like fucking evil snake. Um, this is really yeah, like we talked about. This is when the Burt look really developed. I mean, I think he pretty much looked this way for the next ten years. If not more, uh, he's oh, yeah. he's really hung on to this look uh, over the years. Uh, occasionally, he'll wear a beard and stuff. He he actually looks pretty good bearded, uh, but he he didn't do it very often. But this was really the the Bert look that you know we come to know and love. If you're going to draw a caricature of Bert, you're going to draw this one, right? So, you totally are. This is with this the skinny mustache, uh, the kind of Errol Morris mustache, or not Errol Morris, fucking uh, Errol Flynn. Errol Flynn. <laughs> Errol Morris. <laughs> Amazing. I don't think Errol Morris has ever wore a mustache. Probably <laughs> not. <laughs> uh, also, we should say that one of the other hench- the other henchmen, Smiley, he's great. He's great in this. Yeah, that, that's a great character actor. Burton Gilliam. He's uh, he's fantastic. I, I love Burton Gilliam. He's, he's really good in this, yeah. Yeah, he is and so great. It's crazy because his opening scene with Burt, it really feels like they're playing the character like he's he's a gay henchman. Oh, I totally get that. I totally get that same feeling. I think that you know, I I, I think that that's what they were going for. Yeah, they had to. Have uh, he's like, hey, he goes, I've never been to prison myself, but uh. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there thinking, I love hey. that. It's so uncomfortable. I know. And Bert's got it too because he's smiling. He's a close talker. He's one yeah, of those guys is. that gets right in your face, and he's like, Hey, yeah. how you doing there, buddy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's also a great that great scene that uh, Bama says, "Ask him why they call you Bones and why they call you Bones." And he goes, "Because I tell them to." That's right, <laughs> a giant That's right. guy. <laughs> because I tell them to. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a very bizarre. Uh, but yeah, this is an interesting movie compared to the first one. This one, like you said, it is it is literally Bert trying to have his cake and eat it too. He did better directorial efforts after the fact. Now this isn't bad by any stretch. It's no, it's no. it's very mixed in its tone and what it wants to go for. But at the same time, it's very Reynolds. It's very uh, serious but silly, and uh, very much his thing. I mean, there's a I guess one of the great examples of what kind of movie this is is when he's walking with the marching band. That is Burt Reynolds. Yes. Uh, he, he, you know, he's walking cool, and then all of a sudden he's doing a band march, and he thinks he's funny. Yep. And it's he, like, He seems Ew. to love a lot of, like, 30s and 40s comedy. Yeah, yeah. One of his heroes was um, uh, Cary Grant. He likes that screwball comedy stuff that Grant could do. Grant could do the serious stuff, but Grant could also turn around and give a turn look. Turn a dime, yeah. Yeah. And he kind of catered to that. And, you know, I think because he was having so much fun, this is typical of actors who are having fun and when they're number one in the world and stuff like that. Stallone went through this. They they go through this kind of, you know, I'm having so much fun, why not be funny? Why not have a good time doing this? Why not show everybody how much fun I'm having? And that works for a while, but t- what ends up happening, sadly, is sometimes people turn against you. Your, your audience turns against you eventually. And I, honestly, I think that's what happened to Bert. I think his audience eventually turned against him, and by that time, he was trying to do more serious stuff, and it may have been almost too late. And uh, no, you know he's done. He obviously he's had good performances, and even great performances in Boogie Nights yeah. since. But uh, he's also always fallen on the Burt Reynolds crutch, which is his charisma, his laugh, his gum chewing. Yes, uh, all these things that he has fallen on, 
in his life uh, that uh, have hurt him as much as they've helped him. It's really a, a, a strange career in some ways. It, it, what, what, the one thing you're always guaranteed, I guess, if you think about it in Hollywood, you, know, you think about Tom Cruise and how big Tom Cruise was at one point. I guess right before, right after Mission Impossible 2, right around Vanilla Sky time, you know, Tom Cruise was, he's still pretty big, don't get me wrong, but he was gigantic. He could have opened anything. Um, and then he goes on to TV and starts selling, you know, his rhetoric quite a bit and goes oh, a little yeah. goes a little bonkers. Goes a lot bonkers. Yeah. And his audience turned against him and now he's spent all of his time, it seems like, trying to recoup. Not not that he's doing bad, because we know he's still doing well. Um I mean Ed, Edge of Tomorrow is actually on my cram list to watch because, you know, it's it's a lot of people have had really good reactions to it, so I'm gonna try to watch it for the end of the year. Uh he makes interesting films as far as blockbusters go and stuff, but he's never going to get back to what he was, no. which was this kind of untouchable fan love that he had. He's always going to be Tom Cruise's little cuckoo <laughs> now. Oh, big time, yeah. yeah. He's always going to be that now. It's never going to fail. And uh, every actor goes through this. I don't care who's number one right now. Uh, sooner or later, you're going to be number zero because that's you're in the popular culture. You're not going to last forever. And that's just the way it goes. You might have moments where you come back, but you're never going to be number one forever. I mean, you're never going to be the greatest actor of all time forever. I mean, you could argue that some actors might make it that way, make, make it through their whole career, like Daniel Day-Lewis or somebody like that. But I'm not positive. I'm not positive, Daniel. I mean, we still got a ways to go. He could end up, <laughs> next thing you know, he, he, he could do an Adam Sandler movie. <laughs> Yeah, you never know. He's pretty sparing, though, about what he does, which is good. Yeah, yeah. He kind of holds back. But he, he doesn't really live a lifestyle that caters to that. And I think that's sometimes what you get with actors. Some actors, like Marlon Brando is a great example. He lived an extravagant lifestyle. So when you live an extravagant lifestyle, you got to make money. And uh, and when you have bad marriages and bad choices in life, you got to make money. So you got to you know sell your wares where you got to sell them. So you end up being you know being in a Superman movie. Not that he's bad in that, but you end up being in it for six million dollars, even though you're in it for two minutes. Yep, you gotta so, pay those bills, man. You gotta pay the bills. That's right. You got to. And uh you see that all the time, still to this day. I mean I do we if anybody ever asked about Nicolas Cage's career, that there's a reason why he's doing what he's doing right now. Oh yeah. <laughs> and it's uh, bad decisions both financially and in his relationships. So there's a reason for all that stuff. But I I I feel like Bert, you know, he unfortunately when he was number one, he was when he was on top, uh, life was good, uh, the cream was sweet. But man, when he hit he hit bottom, shaky he, pudding was sweeter. Yeah, the shaky pudding, but but his career got even more shaky. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. yeah, that vulva would dried up. Um, <laughs> uh, this th- these films are also a great example of two different gators. Uh, the Gator McCluskey in the first one's very menacing. He is uh, more menacing, more serious. Charming, uh, very thought provoking, and just interesting in general. This gator is essentially Burt Reynolds uh, yeah. as Gator, a character he's revisiting here. And I think uh, this character in The Bandit and I guess the character in uh, Cannibal Run films are the only ones he ever revisited. But, uh, yeah, not as uh, not as interesting. I don't like this Gator as much, although there are moments I do like this Gator. Uh, yeah. He, like you said, there are moments where he's kind of making social commentary here. Mm-hmm. It's great. Uh where he doesn't like collecting money for Bama. 
That's right. Where he doesn't like some of the things he's doing. It pisses him off and repulses him and all that stuff. Because Gator's a, a he's a bad guy with a heart of gold, right? So he's oh, a yeah. Robin Hood Robin Hood character, which is yeah. typically what Burt Reynolds kind of rode to superstardom anyway. Because the Bandit's oh. the same way. Absolutely. The uh, character in Cannibal Runs the same way. I mean, these are all characters that do bad things, but they do them with a smile. For the right reasons. Yeah, they do them with a smile, and they do them for ultimately, morally, they're doing it for the right reason. I don't know about the Cannibal Run character. I think he's just doing that to get laid. Yes. A fair yeah, faucet. <laughs> and to put Jack Elam in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. But uh, no, I, this, though, I agree with you, though, that some of the, the swamp stuff in this is 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 amazing. I, I wish they would have spent more time the in the swamp. swamp. Stuff. Oh god, it's so good, isn't it? It is. That opening is great. Uh, some of the car stuff in this is pretty good. Uh, the stunts, like I said, the fight at the end is pretty good. Uh, if if not a little ridiculous, but because they have to hit every single thing <laughs> that they uh, come in contact with. Oh man, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the cops get a bit too wacky in those scenes. Yeah, yeah. There's some wacky co- that 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 to me is one of the biggest detriments to the film is the. The Jack Weston casting and the yeah. the cops and stuff, they're all very silly and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, I wish they would have spent more time with the uh, the bad guys. They spent quite a bit with the henchmen and stuff, but I wish they would have spent more time. There's a really weird moment where Jack Weston tries to climb a brick wall. Yeah, very strange. When, he, when uh, Bones gets out of one car and Smiley gets out of the other. It's very bizarre. It's like, what what led you to that decision? And I just feel like Bert's behind the camera going, ah, that's funny, that's funny, I'm going to keep that in. And I'm sitting like, oh, Bert, man, somebody needs to, and Hal Needham's like, I think I'm going to direct your movies from now on. Yeah, yeah, well, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's a reason why he ended up working with Needham so much. You know, I think his Cannibal Run movies, I think he did the Bandit films, right? And he did uh, Hooper. Yep. Uh, so he did a lot of those uh, kind of, Bert kind of became synonymous, I think, as much as Lee Majors did with kind of the stuntman culture. And uh, that kind of, you know, living like it's your last day smoking cigarettes drinking alcohol you know good old boy type attitude and uh, a lot of that shines through in gator but uh as much as i like like say the acting and stuff there is some stuff in here that just kind of grinds me the wrong way and like i said that roofie scene i i had a feeling it might work for you i have a feeling it works for a lot of people but for me it's it's one of those moments where like with you for the tarantino at the end of django unchained didn't work for me that worked and this is the same way. The roofie scene doesn't work for me, although I do think the scene is good on its own. I just, mm-hmm. it, for me, it takes me out of the movie every time. It, also, it why did why didn't they get rid of Gator at that point? I mean, get rid of Gator. The, yeah. uh, Jerry Reed's willing to take a sawed-off shotgun and shoot anybody. Why yeah, wouldn't man. you? Why wouldn't Bones get rid of? They just take him to the the old adage in the South. They just take him to the county line. That's right. And then That's Gator right, the county line move. <laughs> yeah, the old county line move. And then Gator wakes up and drives back in. Yeah, I know. It's, it's kind like, of a, you know. I got news I for you. That maybe, doesn't work. But maybe that's why they, they set up the old friendship because it's like, yeah. Maybe they're alluding to the fact that maybe he saved Good Bama point. once. Good and, point. I think him and Bama love each other to a degree. Yeah. And he wanted to just give him a chance to say, you know what? Fucking this is it. Like, this yeah. is your get it a jail free card. Yeah. Some, you, some, or you get it a Bogan County or wherever it is free card. Yeah. At some level, they kind of love each other. Also, I think the very ending of this film, I think it's kind of ill advised. I would I th- agree. I think it's uh, that kind of drive off into the thing. You know, I was thinking the other day about Gran Torino, and I was thinking about Gran Torino that that drive off is perfect. Uh, I know we've only seen it probably between both of us once a piece, but at the end of that one, you got him driving a nice uh, the car and a nice song playing stuff. This you're trying to go for the same thing, and Bert's looking back wantingly, and it's just ugh, it's just 
Ugh, it gave me the it gave me the ugh, it just gave me the chills in a bad way. The old douchey chills there, man. Oh, I know. Ugh. Well, that's the problem. And the film's probably about 15, 20 minutes too long. Oh yeah, it's almost two hours long. Yeah, it's crazy. But again, again that's Earth. It, yeah, it's a it's a directorial debut too, right? So, you know, it's pretty solid for that for an actor directing himself and stuff. It's not bad, but it does feel like the thing where, you know, somebody should have came along and said, hey, Bert, let's cut this, this, and this. Make it a little bit leaner and meaner. And, and also, this is a different Gator. You sure you want to go this route? <laughs> so, yeah, I know. But that's all my notes on Gator. I'll make it very brief. Yeah, I also love the Swamp stuff. I don't like the Goofy stuff. That's the problem. I think it's a fine line between Bert being Bert, because Bert can do it, but then when you get, like, Pratt Falls and Wacky Police and Goofy stuff... That stuff really bothers me. Yeah, yeah. Um, how come whenever like isn't, a heavy isn't dude, there, isn't there a scene in here where he's carrying a cat? I don't know. There might be. And he, I think uh, there is. He doesn't. Yeah, cat. doesn't. What's her name? Have a cat. The woman. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The eccentric woman. Yeah, he carries a cat, and then she ducks, and he does the double, the Burt double take. <laughs> yeah, yeah. While he's holding a cat, that totally seems like a Burt Reynolds thing. Yeah, it does. Um, the disc looks good, as we said, but why is it whenever like? rotund villains who get foiled in the film and they wear a hat. How come they always beat their hats? <laughs> I don't know. I don't you know. You know, that always happens. I don't know. And if their hat gets like mud on it or mud in it or water on it or water in it or anything on it or in it, they just put it back on anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> strange. The film is really well shot. Um, the, the whole stuff with his daughter seems kind of bizarre. Yeah. Like, they didn't really need that. I don't know why it was put in. Yeah, they could have had him just living on the swamp yeah. and the old guy being his dad. Yeah, I don't understand that either. I don't I don't get it. I don't there's no real kind of explanation as to whose daughter it is. No, no. Uh, I mean I mean it's his daughter, obviously, but I'm talking about is it, you know, who's the female, who's the mom? Is it Luz? Not really. No, know. they don't even go that route. Yeah, they don't even say it's a, you know, Luz or Nothing. She hasn't been to school in two years. I mean, I don't know. They, they wouldn't have for? in this day and age, but yeah. Well, I don't know if you're in the swamps. Maybe I don't know if you yeah, might. Maybe, but that was just strange. But I think that was Bert. See, Bert was. I think it is hard. As much as he was a pussy hound, he was sentimental, and yeah. sweet, and he loved kids. There's always kids running around the background of his films. Oh yeah, Even no, no, the yeah. first one. Yeah, yeah. He he he, he totally. Yeah, he he's the kind of guy who he sees the kind of innocence and simpleness of kids and yeah. the way that that. Uh, you know, you can joke with them as is special compared to the way you can joke with adults. And yeah, if they were playing catch, he'd jump in and play with them for a couple minutes yeah. and keep on moving. He's a kid at heart. I mean, that, that, yeah. that you totally get that from Burt Reynolds. He's the kind he of guy who, do. you know, would rather toss a football with you than he would sit around and talk about politics. Yeah, oh, totally. A couple of lines that are goofy, but again, I think this comes from his love of like Groucho, like the Marx Brothers stuff. When they go to get him and his daughter's there beside him and the daughter bites the guy. And uh, Bert says, or I think the grandfather says, don't hit the child. Yeah. And he says, I'm not going to hit her. I just don't want to feed her. Yeah. <laughs> and I know it's such a ridiculous line, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I did laugh at it. I got to say, man, it's so ridiculous, though. Um, more men equals more men crashing their vehicles in the drink. Yeah. In a Bert film. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you, the chopper on boat stuff was pretty impressive, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Really good, really good. Um, and I love the shot of the, the feet on the ladder and then the boat just rips it past. But yeah. this film is legitimately well shot. It is, you know, the, and the blue looks really good except for, um, except for, uh, what does it say on the, 
I didn't see J.C. Connors. I didn't see the sheriff in this. It says Ned Beatty's uncredited in this film, but I don't. Didn't see him. Yeah, and it says James didn't Best is in there too. Roscoe P. Coltrane says he's in there too. Oh man. Uh, yeah, because James Best is, you know, that's Quentin Tarantino's, uh, I think it was his uh, acting coach and a few others. He's a well-known acting coach from Powderly, Kentucky. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, let me, I'm trying to see who, was this Hal Needham? Yeah, they didn't use Buddy Joe Hooker on this one, so. They did use an assistant director named Edward Teets. T-E-T-S. Nice. Teets on a bull there, buddy. <laughs> Teets on a boar hog there, buddy. Yeah. Um, the one club that, that Bam Rent can go to, it has that topless happy hour. Yeah. <laughs> which is amazing. Yeah. I like that the uh, strippers were all oiled. Man, they were they oiled or sweaty? Whatever. Man, they were like yeah. really just slick. I don't know if I've ever said this on the air. I may have said it to you personally, but I have a, a weakness for the oiled Oh, as do I. Female form. I love it. Yeah, uh, I love it. Yeah, or sweat. Either yeah. one's fun. Um, I think we have said it on the air. Yeah, probably. Um, probably. I like I like the line when, uh, what's his name, shows up the Jewish cop or fed and he says, Bert says to him, you're going to stick out in Dunstan like a bagel in a bucket of grits. Yeah. 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 good. Um, I love the, you know, there's a, the moment when he pulls up to the hotel, Bert does, and we see that woman, it's kind of a medium shot in like this vertical striped short miniskirt. Yeah. You just knew he was going to ogle her, man. Oh, yeah. Great moment. Um, what else do we got here? Do, 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 do. Oh, man. Fucking, what's his name? Uh, Weinstein? Yes. He's, he's such a, oh, this moment when he fucking pops the kid's balloons with his cigar. Oh, his name's not Weinstein. It's uh, Greenfield. Greenfield. Green. Right, right, right. Yeah. I think his real name is Weinstein, no? No, no, no. Jack Weston. Irving, Irving Greenfield. Weinstein. What, did he play Weinstein in a film, maybe? Oh, I'm sure he probably has, yeah. Yeah. Jack Weston did a lot of work. I mean, he was he acted a lot. A lot of stuff I grew up in. He was I grew up watching. Oh yeah, he was, he was pretty, pretty present. One of his last films is one of my wife's favorites. That Dirty Dancing. He was in that. That Dirty Dancing. Dude, ooh, he did. Ew, his second last. Ooh, he finished it off with Short Circuit Two and Ishtar. Yeah, yeah. Went out with a whimper and not a bang, there, boy. Yeah, that's right. But he's <laughs> rad right before that. So. Yeah, yeah. He's in a lot of stuff. Eh? He'll so he'll come much. on our show again. I, I'm actually. I'd be amazed if he hasn't actually been on our show before and we just don't even know it. No, I know. I'm looking well, he did it. Yeah. He, uh, where am I going here? Um, Bert and his, Bert's world, like if you look at like the scenes in the film of people, there's a 14 to one woman to man ratio. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which is great. Yeah. You know, there's a real serious kind of exploitation film moment in this that I really like. Yeah. And if this film had have had a dark, nasty tone, uh, yeah, I feel like I would have liked it even more. But I'm glad it doesn't for, you know, because there needs to be room for kind of PG, PG-13 drive-in fare. But mm-hmm. there's a really great serious moment when Bert goes into that, like, opium den with, like, the teenage prostitutes. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the girl, and she's not very attractive. She gets way more face time than she needs to. But, you know, whatever. Uh, the scene is is really powerful because she's young and he knows she's young and he sits with her on the bed and there's a really great moment when she opens that, that ballerina music box Yeah, and you can see Bert's eyes looking in the mirror at her. Yeah. Really like that moment. That's that, that, that might be why I didn't like the roofie scene so much because that moment's so good. And then I think it, it's, it segues to the roofie right after that because they go to the yeah, poker game and Bert, uh, kind of makes a mistake he calls out bama in front of all of his buddies there that's a big mistake as we know yeah you never call out a man's uh 
masculinity in front of his other his other guys when he's running the poker table. You know, you just don't do that. Yeah. And uh, then they go to the roofie scene. So that I think that might be why I have so much trouble with it because I think the scenes totally. leading up to that are so intense and serious. They're they're pretty. They're as serious as it gets in a Burt film. Yeah. And he could do that stuff well. Yeah. There I mean, you. it's effortless. I didn't know and this. You can, and, and I think that stuff ties in nice because he has a daughter. Yeah. The same writer wrote this. Uh, he wrote uh, White Lighting, but he also wrote, I didn't know he wrote Night of the Juggler. How about that? Oh, wow. That's a great one we've covered on the show. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like the scene with the roofies. I think it's, or whatever it was, it was pretty funny for me, but it was yeah, totally very different. Um, but that's not even the only one. I can't think of any other off the top of my head, but there's a lot of scenes like that that are tonally, they shift so incredibly fast. Mm-hmm. That they're almost uh, they almost break the movie in spots. Yeah, um, Bert always, like I said, I think he's a hopeless romantic at heart, as much as he's a pussy hound as well, because he always has to have like he's like the beach frolic with the sweater and the kind of intimate moonlit uh, <laughs> confessions. And yeah. I feel like that's like a Bert thing, like for himself. Oh, it's such a Bert thing. It's like, such a Bert thing. Like he sits around and goes, "Hey, let's listen to some Jimmy Buffett and kick back yeah. on the beach with a couple Coronas." Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and you know, unfortunately, Lauren Hutton makes the illivets decision to wear a fucking hat i'm just not into chicks and hats man yeah yeah can't get down with the hat and uh, she takes off everything but the hat at one point yeah yeah and uh yeah so anyway you know those are all my notes i could keep going but i'm okay uh, with a chick with nothing on but a hat but you know, well, yeah right? actually that's true that's true <laughs> yeah and I'm okay with Zom with nothing on but a West Virginia yeah. hat. <laughs> but a West Virginia Mountaineers baseball hat yeah. turned sideways. And that that Harry Winker there, boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, anyway, I got to get those guys on the show. I miss those guys. We totally do. Uh, okay, make or break. I could go for... It could, yeah. All right. I could go for a break on this, but with that roofy scene for me. But I, I'm not going to because... I enjoy the opening of this quite a bit. So I'm going to go with the opening for my make or break. That uh, boat chase is awesome. It's really good. Yeah. My MVT, I'm going to give this one to Reed. I love Jerry Reed in this movie. He's very charismatic, very nasty. And uh, his clothing is amazing. Uh, Got that white belt there, boy. He's got, he like, he wears wears white leather loafers through most of the film. Yeah, white leather loafers and a white belt. That is the 70s right there. He fucking loves, there's a scene when, He's he leaves the old spice on the shelf and goes for the Stetson. Yeah, yeah. My dad, who was a a rather large man, not in height, but he uh, he liked to eat and, and drink. And uh, when he was younger, he was very obese. He was a huge, huge guy. Uh, and uh, the, I have still have pictures of him, uh, which I would always tease him with, uh, with him with a white leather belt on, because that is a seventies thing. People wore these white leather belts, and I would always tease him with that picture because uh, you know. By the time the '80s rolled around, the white leather belts were not were not. Uh, you know, I'm teasing him. By the whole time, I'm wearing a metal plate hat. So there you go. That <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> says "Yo" on it or something. You know. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, get what you you get what you get. You get what you put out there. Oh yeah. Like, hey, look at that in the white belt. <laughs> Where's my parachute pants at, man? Where's my? Yeah. Does anybody see my parachute jumpsuit? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Uh, but my score for the film, I'm going to give it a 6.5 out of 10. I think that the tone struggles for me. I can't give it GG Classic uh, status, GG TMC Classic status. I think it's a good movie, but I, uh, like the Trinity films you were talking about, stuff like that, I don't think those are great movies, but they're good. They're entertaining. This is entertaining, too. 
Although I would catch myself if I watched this again and again, I would catch myself because I've seen it so much anyway. I would probably fast forward through bits and pieces of it that I didn't really care for if I had a chance. Uh, I watched it in full for the show, obviously, but if I had a chance to, you know, if I was going to watch it again, unless I was watching it with people who'd never seen it, I'd probably fast forward through bits and pieces of it because I do think it's flawed. Not a not a bad directorial debut though. I've seen worse, much worse. Uh, but six point five for me. Nice. Make or break the scene. I could go with some of the stunts like this, the opening swamp scene and the scenes between Reed and Vertigrade. Because Reed really is fucking outstanding in this film. Yeah, he is. But I'm going to go with the scene with the teen prostitute because it's it's a serious kind of scene that we don't see a lot from Bert. And it's when we realize how scummy and vile Bama McCall is. And he's not a lovable rogue. She is the same teen that's... uh, The cheerleader. Yeah, the cheerleader that meets him in the band thing. That's right. Yep, exactly. It's a really good scene, man. Really good scene. MVT, I'm going to go with Bert um, because I didn't give it to Bert the first time. Give it to the South. Uh, I feel like Bert does miss on a few things. Yeah. I like that he puts some socially conscious stuff in. I like that he ensures that the film looks good. It's shot well. Uh, yeah. The funny stuff, for better or worse, is Bert. Some of it works for me. It works more than it doesn't. The wacky stuff with the police and bumbling kind of tomfoolery does great. But I still have to give it to Bert because I think it's a pretty assured um, – a pretty assured debut film as a director. And it's also, let, let's be honest here, let's look past the mistakes. This is Bert cultivating what the masses wanted from Bert. Yes, yes. So, I mean, it was a smart decision to put that stuff in because it's sort of like the Bollywood or the Indian film formula of put a little bit of everything in so everyone comes away happy. Yeah, this a little is... A bit of romance, a little bit of action, a little bit of comedy. Yeah, Bert knows what... Uh... Bert knows what his audience wants, and he's called, you're right, he's cultivating that completely. Big time. And my score is actually higher than yours. It's a 7.25. Nice, nice. Um, yeah, great to revisit these. I'm glad I own them, uh, both on blue. You know, they're not like, um, you know, fucking Powell Pressburg or the red shoes in terms of how they look. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but they look good, and it's nice to have them on blue, and it's nice to have the Bert on our show because he really is, I think, one of the most important and undersung heroes on our show like when we were talking about early on Mifuni and Bronson and Eastwood you know, Bert was another guy man right up there with guys that we both really loved and I think we can say you know Bert truly truly is so GGTMC he is he is uh, he's definitely full-blown GGTMC yeah. in so many ways I mean a lot of the stuff that it's I royalty, loved about man. yeah a lot of the stuff that I loved about movies growing up Bert Reynolds kind of encapsulates Embodied. yeah he totally does for me he He's a he's a incredibly influ- influential part of my childhood. Yeah, uh, the bandit yeah. character alone is something that I've always loved. That kind of uh, dapper Robin Hood with a giggle smile and the the fast car and the women. That was a good transitional uh, hero for like film hero for a young guy before you became an adult. Because yeah. like I said, he's not a scumbag or anything. Like you know. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not uh, you know. And even the stuff he does that he is kind of scummy, like sleeping around and stuff, it was all done with, you know, silliness and stuff. And, yeah. And stuff like that. Of course, you know, as you get older, you realize, you know, it's a womanizing it's thing. It's not like also. he's a misogynist. In yeah. Fact. It's like he's a romantic who just loves women. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then, like I said, there's an innocence to that, that era yeah. of cinema. So. All right. Let's get into, uh, I think I hear a toilet flushing upstairs, which means uh, the little man might be, might be uh, up and rolling. Come find me here in a minute. All right, so next week, uh, that is the show, and next week we're we're having a guest on. Uh, 
Andy is coming back on. He was on uh, a while back for uh what was it uh terminal island and uh something else i can't remember yeah, what it was. i can't remember what it was i remember terminal island though. i wasn't able to be on that show i remember i had something come up and i couldn't get on that show i think i worked or something but oh yeah i'm going on um but he is coming back on uh he's gonna he's he we let him uh, program the show and uh he picked uh, a dragonfly for each corpse which uh i don't know is that a, who, who directed that one uh, uh kovinsky Kavins, what's his name Spanish film, what's his name? Klavinsky. What is it? I'll tell you in a sec here. <clears throat> it's uh, Klimovsky. That's his name. Fuck, I can never get it right. yeah. 1974's Leon Klimovsky. Paul Nash Jolly. action. Yeah, little Paul Nash action. Good looking woman in that one, boy. Yep. And we're also going to be doing uh, The New Barbarians, which is also known as Warriors of the Wasteland. Nice. A uh, little uh, Castellari action, having him back Earn. on the show. Yeah, and the uh, return of Fred Williamson and you know who, George yes. George Eastman's coming back. Finally, it's going to be a big week for the GGTMC. <laughs> Jallo's back on the show. Castellari, Eastman, the Hammer. <laughs> it's going to be very GGTMC, man. It's a shame Bert and Jerry never did a film with George Eastman. Oh man, <laughs> would have been amazing. George Eastman should have been the uh, bone the Bones character. There we go. Sure, the kids are coming. All right. <laughs> Advent calendar. If someone's going on a run of advent calendar chocolates. <laughs> yeah. Look at that rascal. You like, like, like a little bird in this house. Look what he did. Ooh, that one's January first. You're way ahead of the curve. That's okay. Well, I'll deal with it. And guys, you want to say you want to say adios? Adios. Well, not yet. I'll tell you when. I'll, I'll point to you guys. Okay. Get ready. Okay. Get ready. All right. With that and the advent calendars, we'll say adios. Adios. <laughs> nice. Thanks for listening. You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com. You can call the gentleman at 206-666-5207. And you can email the gentleman at midnightcinema at gmail.com. 